Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Big Week in Gaming podcast. And yes, again, it's been a big week in gaming. I'm Intergot for episode 33 on Sunday, the 28th of Feb. As always, I'm joined by the official, verified Xbox Hall of Famer and number one challenger to the mantle of the greatest Xbox RPG player in the world, Swinney. Hello. And the guy in the middle, the gamer, anti-gamer, the flip-flopper-in-chief, Mike. Hello, hello, hello. How goes it? In this week's show, we'll be discussing Anthem's overhaul gets cancelled by EA and Bioware. Heaps of Sony news, including confirmation of the new PS5 VR headset and a Valve doubleheader. Half-Life Alex, our impressions and the reflection on Portal 2. We have a correction straight up, Swinney. Is Is this the case? Yeah, well, isn't this always where corrections go? Yeah, well, we we like to we like to keep honest and have no, integrity. They go, they go throughout the entire episode while you guys are correcting me. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Well. That's another one. It's big big week in corrections. <laughs> big week in corrections. <laughs> uh, yeah. So last week we, uh, as part of BlizzCon, uh, Blizzard announced the Blizzard Arcade Collection, and I we look we talked about it. I think we talked, you know, to the the big some of the big stuff about it, but I also think we did a, did a bit of disservice to it. Oh, because, yeah, we did. Yeah, for sure. I agree yeah, with we, we undersold a lot of the work that they put into this collection, and I think with knowing, now, knowing this after the fact, um, the price point is 100% makes sense. Actually, it's pretty good. So I'll just quickly explain some stuff. So within the... We talked about last week that they've got the Lost Vikings, Rock and Roll Racing, Blackthorn, but, and different versions of them, but Actually, within the collection, they actually describe what's different between them. And we kind of mentioned in passing and just glossed over, oh, and we think there might be a, a definitive edition for one of them or something. No, all three games have definitive editions, and they're really, really awesome. So they combine the good elements from all the versions. Let's say the Mega Drive version has more levels, but the SNES version has the better graphics and sounds. They combine it all together in the definitive edition. Uh, Rock and Roll Racing, for instance, is in widescreen. It's got new graphics. and Rock and Roll Racing has an awesome soundtrack with like uh, Judas Priest and George Thorogood and things like that. And they've actually put the actual songs there with the actual, you know, vocals and everything, new CD quality voiceover. They've added a new four-play split-screen mode where it was originally two-player and that everything's unlocked from the beginning. And in Blackthorn, they added a whole new map. The game didn't have a map before. So they put heaps of work into those definitive editions. So I just wanted to correct the fact that we didn't cover that very well. Well, you know, and, and to add to that, I think for Capcom as well, I like, correct me if I'm <laughs> correct the correction, <laughs> Sweeney. Um, you know Ghosts and Goblins Resurrection? The way we covered yes. that, I think we really spoke about it almost like it's a bit of a remake of Ghosts and Goblins, Ghouls and Ghosts a little bit, but it kind of really isn't. It, it's it's like the first level is very much of, you know, inspired by the first game, but from that point on, it's really like almost like a brand new game. Yeah, it has skill trees. Yeah, I think we, I think we started out the coverage tree. on that as well. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, look, we weren't... We didn't know enough think, about the game at the time, and now it's just coming yeah, out. So. Yeah, it's not intentional. With like, no. I think I think you two, I'm not, but you two are pretty thorough in researching stuff, <laughs> and it's not intentionally left out or anything like that. I think oh, it's God, just some stuff you just no. miss out. Yeah, I think well, one of us needs also, to buy that game and play it, and then review yeah, well, it. That, Fine. 
That was also one announcement in the middle of a whole lot of other things, whereas I think there were more... Like, the Blizzard Arcade Collection, we spent more time on it. Yeah, So that's that's why I feel like we did more disservice. That's true. That's true. And what have you been playing this week, Mike? What have I been playing? Oh, gosh. So I finished uh, Demon's Souls on PS5, finally. Oh, nice. Yeah, I was really... what you finished, because I think you said DES or something. I didn't know what that was. You can't say DS, because that's that's Dark Souls, usually. Even though it came out first. You got to put the extra E. Well, I could say DS, but that'll just be confusing. So, <laughs> so I finished that. I started a brand new character, and I got into I got to the same part that I was with my first character in about half the time, I think. Oh wow! Now I don't know if part of that is because it's a different play style because I was going uh, as a mage in the first playthrough, and then the second playthrough, um, I kind of rushed through it using uh, more of a melee build. But also what, because what I was what character did you start with? A mage build. Just, just using, mostly using magic. Uh, no, no, in, I mean in the, in the second playthrough. On the second playthrough, just a melee build. Like just, royalty just... or something else? I don't even remember what oh, the, wow. the start... I don't think it's it's not relevant anywhere what he started off at. But I it was just that game it does more than Dark Souls, built. right? Yeah, but not by much. Yeah, sure. uh, it was it was basically I just focused on on dexterity uh, okay. and and any and just the the good old Uchi Katana. Uchi Dex. Oh, Uchi it's Dex. the best Uchi Dex. Uh, so so that was really really interesting. Plus. I played it in my bedroom, so I wasn't sitting there the whole time going, ooh, ah, every two seconds, admiring the scenery, which obviously looks fantastic even at 1080p. But, you know, I've kind of gone through that, and I wasn't stopping every two seconds to look at it. So, wait, you moved so, the PS5 into your bedroom now? Yeah. Okay. What a waste. Well, I wouldn't say it's a waste of a console, but I've got a you know, 1080p TV. It's not bad. It's, it's not it's a bad TV, 60, right? but so, yeah, it runs at 60. Oh, yeah. it's fantastic. It's, it's absolutely cool. And uh, so, so, so that was the primary thing that I finished this week. And that was, that was really cool. It was good to finally get that over and done with. And then a bit more Mario Odyssey oh, just yeah. to, uh, to balance things out, you know, a bit of scariness, where, a bit where of... Are you, where are you up to? So I don't think it spoils anything. I don't know the name of the kingdom, but it's the one that's... I don't remember. I've got <laughs> I've got all but two sections of the Odyssey completed, and I'm up oh, to the okay. I'm up to the land that's that's full of candy and stuff. And oh you gotta, yeah, that's cool. That that sort of colorful land, which I thought was was a really cool looking land. One thing that I really liked about Mario Odyssey is you guys remember way back in in the days of of games in the '90s and stuff, where you'd have these these city skylines and stuff in the background that were just these pixelated little repeated sort of textures and stuff yet in in the back of your mind it it was almost like this this entire world out there mm. even though you know you were confined to just this little box in the game itself but it just gave you this illusion that there's this whole city this whole world with life and stuff out there and i it's weird it's like something about Mara odyssey gave me that feeling again where you see the city skyline or you see the the different locations that have these sort of backdrops that aren't particularly detailed or anything, but it's the same kind of concept the way they've done it. And that, that really struck, uh, struck out for me. And then um, I stopped playing it because my partner took over the Switch and she started playing it. <laughs> so this morning, she, I, I woke up at 8.30 or something and she was still half asleep. She's like, oh, come back to sleep. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm just going to get up and go for a walk and stuff. So she's like, okay, can I have the Switch? I'm like, are you serious? Like 8.30 in the morning on a Sunday, you don't want, you don't want to sleep? You want to play the Switch? It's like, yes, I must finish off Mario Odyssey. <laughs> so she's hooked on that one. Um, and I've been playing a game called Hunt Down, 
which kind of broke my I don't want to get more games, but I had my my on this one. <laughs> kind of <laughs> did. That thing is dead and buried. <laughs> Uh, a little bit dead and buried, yeah. I, I had my eye on Hunt Down for a while, and the reason I had my eye on it is because of the fact that I think it's some of the best-looking pixel graphics in any game I've ever seen. Yeah, it's awesome. It's, it's awesome. It's really cool-looking graphics. This game. Yeah. So, so the game itself, I feel like it. It's not the kind of game I wish it was, if that makes sense. But I love it for what it is. So, which is also Metroidvania. <laughs> I wish it was be- exactly that. If this, if this game with this art style was a Metroidvania game, oh my god, it'd be one of the best games ever made. It's just so good, and it's it's more of a it's more of like like a Metal Slug kind of gameplay. Yeah, it does. It kind of looks like a bit it's, like that. It's like that. It, it, I feel like it's an homage to 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 those kind of games for mm, sure. Contra. And, yeah. Oh, Contra, yeah. They're very bite-sized levels, um, which I think I like and I don't like. It's I like in the sense that they're very self-contained and the boss in each area is very unique, but it's very simple and formulaic in the sense that you go through like a very short period of just enemies uh, with some variation and stuff, which I think is pretty cool. And then you face a boss and it's the same formula repeated multiple times as opposed to, you know, like a... A, a metroidvania kind of game where you go back and forth and whatnot i'm, but, I'm looking at a screenshot it, yeah. i see this kind of like monster truck looking thing do you get to ride around in i can't spoil n- no not so okay. far you okay. do not okay. no but you might but but i highly recommend the game i think it's still on special on on the switch so i highly recommend grabbing a copy or whatever platform you choose for the fact that the graphics are just fantastic man it's, there's a there's a boss called unholy goalie yeah that, that, is, that uh, sold me that sold me <laughs> it's the bosses are fantastic it's it's a very silly kind of 80s action packed sort of lots of little references it's got references to pulp fiction it's got references to duke nukem it's a bit of a, a mix of sort of references like that but it's it's, it's fantastic highly recommend it and then of course so I can shut up now. I've been oh, playing a bit before, of... Before you move from Hunt Down, uh, it's, on, it's on sale right now, but by the time yes. we get this up, it's literally going to go off sale. So people oh, have to jump bummer. on it. But it actually, like this animation, because it's it's 16-bit style, um, mm-hmm. but all hand-drawn animation. And to yep. me, this is what I don't like about Ghosts and Goblins Resurrection, where they've rigged the 2D hand-drawn model... So it's like, you know, a 3D yeah. almost perspective. Whereas this, it's all hand-drawn, all the animations. It is, yeah. And, and it's, looks, it looks awesome. Insanely good. It looks it is. really the, cool, man. The parallax like, effect of the city. Picking it up. I highly recommend it. Mm. And the gameplay is fantastic as well. It's very solid uh, in terms of the shooting mechanics and everything. And you get you three different characters. You should do a review on it. I'll, I'll do a proper review on it, even yeah. though you kind of heard most of what I, <laughs> what I have to say about it. But... uh Highly recommend it. Mm, it's, nice. it's a fantastic game. And of course, the last thing which I won't talk a lot about because we've got a segment on it later is Half-Life Alex. Mm. Reserve my thoughts later. Mm. Well, maybe I'll jump in there as well. Did I, I like it? I've been playing Half-Life Alex as well, so I'll, I'll reserve judgment. I actually played a bunch of it yesterday as well. I had some time by myself, amazingly. Uh, so yeah, yeah. Wow. Be, I'm going to be really fascinated to see what you think of. Wait, did you did you were you about to go on a holiday? Did you put the kids <laughs> in the house and the wife in the car, no. close the doors, and you went off to play no, Half Life Alex? Because <laughs> it needs to be a rare event where it's like my because it's not. I don't have a VR set, as I said last week or the week before. Yes. My wife's dad owns one, weirdly enough, and yeah, they and my wife and kids all went out for the day. So I got to play. <laughs> it. Nice. I think I had a three hour or four hour stretch to be able to play it. 
Whoa. Just give context, so. I, I want to hear more about that three-hour stretch mm. because well, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll have in to, VR, it's that intense. That sounds wrong. <laughs> <laughs> we, we'll have to touch on that. And then also another thing that I won't go into detail with now is Portal 2. been mm-hmm. playing uh, with Swinney a little bit, co-op, because yeah, I'd finished the main campaign but never the co-op. Uh, so we'll touch on that in Portal 2 retrospective. And then finally... Actually, so I tried remote play on the PS4 Pro previously, and I think with those type of things, like streaming, game streaming, they, they have a threshold where it works or it doesn't work. And if it's below that threshold, you're just like, oh, this is horrible. You know, like I like to experiment, try different things. I thought, okay, I'll try it again with the PS5. I've heard it's better. Mm. And like I've got a very good Wi-Fi setup at home, so I probably should say that. PS5 is connected into via LAN. So it's like everything is there to make it successful. It is incredibly good. Like it actually blew me away. Like it absolutely blew me away how good it is and how responsive it is. So much so I started playing Dark Souls in my bedroom, but via streaming. So remote play from my PS5 in my, you know, office area. And it's unreal. Like it actually, because the thing I always say to you guys, like I want to get through those games, but some of them are hard because... You know, it's hard to play it because, like, how am I going to play it? Um, but it's now pretty much like a viable option. And it's, I know this will never happen, but I just wish that it could connect to my Switch and I could mm, use, like, my Switch That's what I was thinking while you were saying that, yeah, yeah. I, I'm so adamant on that. Like, if, if they allowed more of that, it would be so cool. Mm. Like, I, I'd play it so much, so, 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 so much more. Um, but, yeah, like, I... Like, I mean, probably, you know, segueing to you, Swinny, and what you're playing this week. Like, you, you've tried remote play on the Series X. You know, Mike hasn't even opened his yet, amazingly. People are out there crying when they hear that. Um, how's a remote play on the Series X? Is there any so difference int- in the one? Okay, so interestingly, if you, are, if you don't do your research, you cannot currently remote play from the Series X. Oh, okay. That's a big difference. So, but this is something that I actually did a few weeks ago and I was going to mention and I just forgot. Um, so I, you know, I play a lot of RPGs, as you know, and mm-hmm. a lot of those are turn-based or grid-based. So if there's a bit of a delay, then I'm cool with it. It's fine. Yeah. And so, you know, I set my Series X up and I'm like, oh, I'm going to go, you know, to the other room and I'll just like stream it to my uh, Surface or whatever and just play it like I normally did. And it's like, huh, it can't connect to the Series X. It's only showing my old Xbox One. Huh. The But I looked it up and what you have to do is you have to go through these, jump through these hoops and access like the developer version of the Windows Store. And you what? have to actually side... It's almost like side-loading by enabling developer mode on the Windows 10 store. What? The um, app that's in testing at the moment uh, to allow you to stream. And uh, so I did that. So when you load it up, it's obviously an unfinished thing. It's for developers. Um, and it worked fine. But oh, you're the, a hacker now. <laughs> the fact that I had to go through all that, I'm like, this is ridiculous. So I'm glad that... I um, hope they, they make that um, available to everyone. But did it work well? Did it actually work well once you... It worked about the same. It worked about the same as what the Xbox One did. It's probably it's okay. pretty much the same. Um, but how much yeah. of a delay is it? Like, because you know, I'm not doing a digital foundry and counting the frames. But <laughs> quite honestly, I, for me, you know, I'm very, I get very sensitive with that kind of stuff. And I thought it was very. Playable. Yes, you are very sensitive. Look, you. It's my <laughs> current setup. I would need to improve to make it viable for games that uh, require like actual proper timing. So yeah, because I was yeah. playing Dark Souls and it was like. I'm not very good at Dark Souls, number one, but I didn't have an issue playing it. I was shocked. I thought for sure wow. 
like it would struggle. The thing that it struggles with, and this is just due to compression, is if you're going through scenes with lots of changes, like heaps of stuff getting thrown at you, you start to, it feels like you're watching like a stream that's buffering or something like that. Mm. Oh, okay. And outside of that, like most games, like it honestly really opens things up for me because there's a whole bunch of PS4 games I want to get through. I genuinely, generally don't have much time to play them, but you know, I could probably play them for like mm. an hour in bed or something like that. You should find a like a Vita for cheap because couldn't you do it with that? With <laughs> a Vita Remotely. for cheap, I, I dude, I have been looking into that, and I don't want to even promote that even further. Vitas are going up in price again. Yeah, okay. so yeah, I'm, probably because like, of stuff like this. I, I know. I'm like, I might pull the yeah. trigger on it. My wife's gonna kill How much me. Are they now? <laughs> it's it's like three hundred dollars worth it. Like what? Yeah. Wow. Like, there are some still where people just list it on Facebook. Mm. Like, oh, here's 150 bucks for my Vita. And then they get sold within an hour. Isn't it? Aren't you better off just getting a, because mm, you can get a relatively cheap phone with a decent screen. Well, I've got a good phone and everything like that. But I, And then I, just getting the, the controllers. Yeah, no, that, that, wouldn't that work pretty well? Like, yeah. It wouldn't introduce all that much lag or anything. And we pretty I just think of Vita. Too. I think Swinney's right. Vita is just, although Vita, I think. What's the downside to a Vita? It's only got one shoulder button, right? And it will only have one purpose for you, which is this. Oh yeah. yeah that, all I know is I just that remember I like. that I just remember a lot of people just talking about them doing all that all the time. So Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Vitas only have one shoulder button. I remember this. So it's like they only have R one or like well, I think you can how do you do Dark Souls and stuff, yeah. <laughs> I know. It's very strange uh, that they did that, I think. Like, I, I'd prefer if they... I, I, look, I'm 99% sure with what I'm saying, so don't come at me if I'm wrong. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm going to look into that, Swinney. Like, I don't know. I just don't want to keep buying games and stuff. I'm going a bit nuts. Yeah, I just confirmed it definitely only has L and R. Wow. Okay. You know, because I'm also looking at the Mister as well, so I don't want to get too crazy. Yeah, but what else have you been playing, Swinney? Look, other than uh, the couple of hours we put into Portal 2 Cart, which we'll mention later, I've only been playing one game this week. One single <laughs> game. So I've been really focusing on my first gaming resolution, which is the 100% achievement completion in Assassin's Creed series. Uh, so as part of that is Assassin's Creed 3 Remastered, which is actually kind of like three games in a way. So mm. it's Assassin's Creed 3, which is huge and probably the toughest completion in the series, in my opinion. Oh, wow. Um, that's that's from someone who's paid, played 99%. Yeah, of them, so. I've always... Well, it's not, not in terms of time, just probably in terms... Like, it's more than probably the most difficult. Uh, Liberation, uh, HD. And also, I've kind of sectioned this off. There's the Tyranny of King Washington uh, DLCs for Assassin's Creed 3 that are kind of self-contained episodes. Mm. So I'm just about to wrap up completing Assassin's Creed 3 100%, um, which is just, yeah, like it's... That game, I there's so much I love about that game. I, it, it does so much well. It's just this, these things that stick out that just prod at you and you just can't forget about them that just makes it a, sometimes a bit of a miserable experience. But in general... Like, if I had spent more time talking about each individual game in our Assassin's Creed tier list, go check that out if you haven't seen it yet. Um, I would have, you know, probably given more thoughts on what Assassin's Creed 3 did right. But after after I finish all them off, then I'm, I'm going to move straight on to Rogue Remastered, finish that off, and then just finish, figure out how the hell I'm going to finish the PC version of Assassin's Creed Pirates, which is actually a pretty good game for a mobile game. So Okay. Very technically impressive. You're, you're, well. you're starting to get a lot of comments in uh, 
in the the tier list that's up on YouTube. It's quite funny. <laughs> Bit of a yeah, mixed bag from what I saw. I, did, I didn't oh, understand it, the hate for Odyssey. Well, Odyssey, yeah, Odyssey is really defo- divisive because, yeah. well, honestly, for a long while, the games haven't been about assassins at all. Uh, yeah, true. Odyssey is divisive because it's like they really went hard in the action RPG direction, which is not everyone's favorite part of, of those games. So is it basically like that? that is the 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 standout, the poster child for the series changing its style? Pretty much. Yeah, and Valhalla scaled some of that back a bit. So Interesting, interesting. But yeah, you're getting good traction in it. It's, it's good to see. It's going to be interesting to just see how it grows and if you get more hate. No, no like. list is going to please everyone. And <laughs> no. it's, I, it, it's no. those, no they're entirely subjective. Yeah. Know, so. Besides supermodels from the 90s. That's that's all. I'm thinking back. Oh yeah, we did talk about that, didn't yeah, we? Have, yeah, no, that's that's an after dark uh, episode that we don't we, we don't make. All right, let's jump into the news then. So our headliner for this week and uh, one of the biggest stories of the week is that there is no more encore for Anthem. Uh, <gasps> Anthem next, as it was uh, known internally, developed by thirty to forty folk. Uh, has been canned after one and a half years of redevelopment uh, by Bioware and EA. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think a big component of this decision as well is definitely driven by COVID-19. As we've seen, games that are in the final phase of execution, it's probably something that you can work from home effectively. I think trying to overhaul a game as it was with so many moving parts and so many de- creative decisions to make it just to me seemed near impossible and also the context that bioware is coming off two flops critical flops at least uh, anthem sold very well and they have a new mass effect in pipe and then also dragon age so having a third game is quite challenging uh, and then just the final thing there was around bloomberg's jason schreier who probably populates 90 percent of our stories yeah. um it just had some insider reports around EA and their thinking around games in general. And I, I guess their surprise at Jedi Fallen Order, which is a single player only game, uh, selling so well that they've actually gone and changed the direction of Dragon Age, which I must admit, Swinney, that I, I didn't even know that it was going to be a live service game. So this actually shocked me when I read through the report. Maybe it's just something I wasn't really paying attention to. My, my, impression and or my assumption is it would have had significant life service features but would have still been a single player game in Mm. general that's the take that i would have had on the way they would have approached it obviously they could have it could have been basically like destiny or anthem who knows but i think it would have because they already started to feed some of that stuff in and you know we talk about the last um me making that horrible prediction about oh they're going to announce Dragon Age has multiplayer and then realizing that Inquisition had multiplayer anyway, <laughs> it made sense that they would have stepped further into some live service stuff. And at the time he said it, and well, probably more like a year before, based on Jason Schreier's reporting, I mean, like you're kind of right though because they were going really hard at multiplayer. You know, you know what I think it would have been like. I think the way that they, at least my take from reading the article and just thinking about the business side of it. I think, are you familiar with Marvel's Aven- Avengers, the game that Square Enix made? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I haven't played it, but... Even yeah, I'm familiar with it. Yeah, I'm just saying, because, <laughs> like, it has, it does actually have 
what most people say is a pretty decent campaign, single player campaign, but it's so dragged down by pushing you into this live service element, which doesn't really have enough going for it for most mm, people. Right. I haven't played it, so I can't really comment on it, but I mean, well, you could- there's not a lot of love for that game, I would say. I think you you can find the right balance. So I think looking back at Destiny, I th- I think that had the right balance where you could play the single player campaign and the single player campaign was pretty good, especially nowadays with all the added content and the fact that it's a free game effectively. You you get quite a lot uh, out of the single player campaign. And then, of course, you get hooked. A lot of people, I think, do and you jump onto the multiplayer stuff. But that's a good balance between offering a really concrete, good, solid single player experience but then having the added multiplayer stuff, which is where they get, you know, most of their money from. So, Look, I mean, this game sort of done it well, and I've played none of them. But um, so I'll put that out there. <laughs> you're not like a Destiny, Destiny Division. <laughs> like, this game's have done it well, but there's only so many live service games that people are willing to that's take time to. Exactly the thing as well, right? I think I think there's because those, those games take potentially tens of hours a week sometimes to complete, especially you look, you look at a game like destiny in order to do some of the raids and stuff. We, we used to do, Oh boy, almost every evening we'll, we'll spend three, four hours at least playing that game. And that's the kind of time sink you need on one of those types of games because of the things that it, you know, asks of you. So it's overload. There's way too many of those things out there. Mm, and talk, talking about one that people didn't want to put their time into is mm-hmm. Anthem. That's you know, right. Yeah, we should probably so, go back. To talk yeah, about it. it's all associated about the same thing, and that's kind of like what I'm fascinated about because you know, offline we've been chatting a lot about time and commitment and just you know how to make the most of your time and things like that. Mm. And you know, having experienced this with Rocket League, like there was a period of time I was just that's all I was playing. I was, you know, if I ever had time for gaming, I'd only play Rocket League, and I loved it, and I still love that game, but. I'd almost look at it as a commitment. It was like I was committed mm. to playing that game. Like it was a job, but it wasn't a job, but just to be clear, but it felt like I needed to play X amount and I was like calculating the rocket pass and how many hours I'd need to play and all this stuff. Whereas I don't really have any games like that. I don't play any live service games, but I do really wonder, you know, how many can really exist well in the marketplace because it feels like all the businesses are pushed into that direction. But mm. I really question, you know, once you've got like big players like Fortnite, you know, like other other sort of like games like that, you know, like the Destinies, how many of them can you really have? Like even if Anthem was really uh, good, I feel like it a needs limit. to be exceptional to be Obviously able to there's a limit it. because you've got a finite number of people playing games and you've got a finite number of hours in the day. So there's an absolute limit to that. And I think it, it now has become a case of, of different game developers and, and studios and and publishers competing against each other for people's time. That's what mm. it's become. And all of these games are literally marketed and and the thinking behind them is how do we get more people, how do we get their share of the day to play our game instead of playing a competitor's game? And that's what it comes down to. And I think I think there is still room for, for those kind of games and I think there's still room in innovation because you get people going, okay, I've, I've, I've had enough of Fortnite, let's say. I'm happy to go try something else and get into that more. So there's still room for stuff, but it's a case of how much money do you want to invest in the gamble because it's quite a bit of money you got to invest in, in setting these games up to 
to draw people into your game mm. to make them have that decision to go you know what i'll give up on Fortnite and the time that's that's spent and i'll come to your game and i just don't know if dragon age has that history um and the, the amount of marketing required to be able to get people onto it from from that perspective it's an uphill battle for ea i think so i just want to talk a bit about anthem yeah um, yes <laughs> so the first of all I actually feel really bad for the developers that have spent hmm. all their time trying to rework this game because oh, no yeah. one no one likes having their hard work, even if you're getting paid for it, it's still you're personally invested in the work that you do sometimes. And That's having true. it essentially scrapped. Um I hope that some of the work that they did maybe some you know, can be repurposed, you know. I I've heard someone say that, you know, at some point maybe <laughs> Oh, the next Mass Effect has these suits that you can fly around. You nice. Know? Um, That'd because, be awesome, actually. Because honestly, like I only played probably about five hours of Anthem, um, and my time with it was actually pretty good. It's a very technically um, well-made game. The flying mechanics were great. Shooting felt pretty good, and I didn't get anywhere close to that end game to then experience what I think a lot of people let down by. Mm-hmm. Um, but the core of the game seemed pretty good and obviously had a lot of thought put into it. But it just wasn't it wasn't really it didn't hook me. And I think that's probably the thing for a lot of people as well, why they may not have, you know, stuck with the game is it just doesn't feel like there's a hook there. Um but it is a shame. Um, I honestly think it was probably a bad decision all round to spend that amount of time myself um, because it, this didn't feel like a Destiny situation or a Final Fantasy Realm Reborn or games that, that essentially turned it around. Because Destiny, a lot of people forget that Destiny at launch um, went through a lot of woes mm. and they turned that around. Mm. Um, and obviously Final Fantasy fourteen is the the huge one well i've got um, a counterpoint on that but i just wanted to see if mike shared hmm. your view about should you should they have kept on working on this game well it's a tough one so i played i finished the game on pc mostly single player i think i played with uh the g-man as we like to call him one of our friends a little bit but it was mostly single player and i did finish the entire game and i actually enjoyed the experience i thought it got a little repetitive even in the single player component but because i only played really the single player stuff i didn't care at all about the end game mm. stuff that I think a lot of people did. So to me, it was actually a good experience. I felt it was, it was, it could have used a little bit more polish and there were certain elements that felt like they clearly rushed the game out and they could have added a bit more to it, specifically around the story, around the way the pacing happened, around the fact that he always went back to this hub. Uh, it, there was a bit of continuity issues in that sense, but the game itself, as Swinney said, was solid. The flying was fantastic, felt really, really good. The weapons felt great. Um, the abilities were awesome. It, it was a really, really solid game. And it's a shame that you can't sell a game like that just as a single-player experience for, you know, 40, 50 bucks. You rely on the fact that you need to do that end-game content to keep people coming back to it. So, yeah, I think I kind of... I, I do agree with, with Swinney on that one. Um, I do feel that they probably could have put more into it and made it a success mm. but I, I don't know what's going on at ea they obviously had priorities i think working in the conditions that we currently work I, I on that point i actually notice even with the team that i'm working with we're all in the same city yet we we're started to re, we've started to really grow apart and it's made some conversations more difficult it's made 
collaborating on a bunch of things more difficult. And I can see how this would affect something like like Anthem as well. So I think it's a shame overall. I, I really enjoyed Anthem for what it was when it came out. And I thought it had real good potential. And I actually was waiting till they added a whole bunch more stuff and next was going to come out to go back to it and see how much it's changed. But I guess I'll just have to uh, remember the experiences as they were because it's probably not going to happen anymore. So I think that that's like getting back to my counterpoint to with what Swinney was saying and, you know, <laughs> putting my business hat on. <laughs> just like looking at this, like Anthem was the fifth best-selling game in 2019, which is kind of wild when you think about it. And that's not just, you know, dollar sales and stuff like that. That's you know, selling volume. And, you know, they they have a player base of, you know, anywhere from like 5 to 10 million, maybe higher, right? I think from a business sense, to be honest, it makes a lot of sense to have a crack at trying to make something of this game. Like, to me, that does actually make perfect sense. Obviously, it hasn't worked out. Um, but, I mean, like, for, what, $5 million investment for a dev team to try to pull something together... Versus like a player base, you know, if they can get something working. And to your point, Mike, I think a lot of people, if they did release like an Anthem Next, I feel like people would have jumped in and, and have a crack at it and just, oh, what is this? And it had such a bad reputation that I feel like if it was a 8 out of 10 or, you know, as our friend, um, uh, uh, shoot, I've forgotten his name. What's his name? Cam. Uh, 7 out of 10 even then people would have <laughs> said, oh, you know, this is pretty decent. Because I think the bar was set so low that I feel like people would have been receptive for it to be like, oh, okay, it's, yeah, it's competent. It's fine. But it, but it was a decent game to me. To, we, mm. to me, it was probably like an 8 out of 10 almost in really? terms of the wow. single player okay, campaign. I thought it was a really solid game. I just think people had really high expectations for it because it came right off the back of Mass Effect not delivering what it was meant to deliver. It was really highly hyped. There were a lot of stories I remember back then about how the reason Mass Effect didn't do as well as it should have and development wasn't as great as mm. it you know, should have been is because they pivoted a lot of the resources onto, onto Anthem. So there was this huge hype, kind of understandably so, given what they did to the Mass Effect well, IP. Also, that first glimpse they gave us... Oh, it looked was, amazing. Yeah, that was <laughs> one of the best first impressions you could ever make with yep. a game. So people had a lot of hype for it, so I can Wait, see why that, why that... they they felt burnt. But just just one more thing on yeah, that, yeah. I th I think the issue is if you start a game with relatively low expectations, or you meet the expectations that you set out there, it's a lot easier to sell people stuff. Yeah. It's a lot yeah. easier to get them to purchase um, purchase things in game. The problem with something like this, and I can kind of see how EA would have made this decision, is they went, "We are now on the wrong foot. People mm. don't have a positive experience about us. How do we?" deliver something where they're willing to pay money for it instead of just looking and going, are you serious? You want me to pay for this now as well? Like you want me to keep mm. paying you in microtransactions, even though you just deliver this half-assed thing. And I think they probably did that. But, but again, if they actually delivered a really good quality product, people would have gone, okay, this is actually pretty good. I'm willing mm. to pay for these skins. I'm willing to pay for this stuff. And they would have made it a viable, viable, you know, IP. So, sorry, yeah. what were you going to say? Uh, uh, no, I was just going to throw to final thoughts from Swinney, just on sort of, you know, Anthem, but then also, you know, that space around Bioware, like where they're at as a studio. I think they, they've done well to, to 
make people start to get distracted, as Micah said before in the past. Oh, look, shiny thing, Mass Effect trilogy. Ooh, mm. you know. <laughs> so I think that they're doing the right things they need to. This doesn't help, but I think at this time, uh, at this point, a lot of people just don't care about Anthem in general. So they're oh, Anthem's not getting reworked. Oh, whatever. That was old news, you know. Mm. For us that like are paying a lot more attention to mm. it. Um, I, but I think the general people have moved on a long time ago. So. That's exactly what I was going to ask as well. I'm not. I'm not familiar with who's still left there. I know Casey. Well, I know Casey Hudson left, and then he yep. did he come back for a while. He left. He came back, and then still, left again. And then he left again. Now, okay, great. Uh, and I'm sure other people within who were you know originally from Bioware slash through the the original Mass Effect era. I know the writer, the original, the Mass Effect one and two writer left. Um, there was an article about that recently, wasn't there? Direct, director of Dragon Age left at the same time as Casey Hudson as well. Yeah, so there's a lot of the people who... So so now to me, Bioware isn't... It's just a name in, to some extent. And I, sure. I apologize to people who are still there that have been there through through the entire journey. I Unfortunately, I'm not, not across that. But I feel like it's not the same Bioware that is the Bioware we remember fondly from our childhoods and the Bioware we remember through the Mass Effect series. It's a, it's a different thing now. So I think mm. the expectations are probably going to have to be different as well as to what the studio and what the name Bioware means nowadays. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I do think like having worked at lots of different organizations, there is a bit of an energy that you have at a place that has had a lot of success. And there's almost a mentality, even if it's not where it was before, there's almost a mentality that goes, well, hey, we're Bioware, we can capture that again. And that, that type of mentality, it's very hard to instill into people. Hmm. That you know, magic can happen here. It's it's very hard to do that in new places. So I mean, that that's the one probable benefit I think, um, just around the name and everything. But I think you're right, Sweeney. I think look, clear the decks on Anthem. You know, Mass Effect trilogy comes out. If that's a big success and everyone's really genuinely happy with it, which I hope that because I want to get it. Um, you know, I think that that would then set them up for Dragon Age, which you think would be the next game up, but. Jeez, that feels like that's still another year plus away. So, we'll, I guess, watch that space. Uh, just heading into a whole series of Sony news. Uh, and to start, PSVR 2 has been announced. And, you know, yes, Sony had a state of play, but no, that's not where they announced it. And <laughs> also, you know, we had uh, Sony's head, Jim Ryan, have a very extensive interview. But no, that's not where you announce it. So, PSVR 2 was announced in a blog post. What the heck? <laughs> and I think for the most part, people are a bit meh on the news, but I, I think this is really massive news just from a VR perspective. And I said a mate, I said this to a mate who is huge on VR, absolutely loves it, uses it every day, that PSVR is the market share leader in VR in the world. And he's like laughing like, you're an idiot. No, it's not. And then we started looking at the figures and the numbers and he's like, oh, geez, it is. But even with that, you know, PSVR on the PS4, didn't even sell as much as the iToy did back on the PS2. Wow. So, so just on that note, that's just proof that you just never question into God. <laughs> yes. Never question the authority. Um, but the price point was really good on that, yes. right? I mean, when you think about it, the, the entry point to having VR on a PC, yes, graphically it's going to be better, whatever, is massive. You need a $2,000 PC. You need another, at the time, at least when PSVR was around, 
you needed to fork out at least like what six seven hundred bucks for a VR headset. Oh, I'm talking yeah, yeah, about yeah. when PSVR oh, yeah. Yeah. came out. Whereas PSVR was at the four hundred and fifty dollar mark for memory. Sometimes you could get it down. I, I got my set for about two hundred and seventy bucks or something. Oh, that's a good deal. Brand Australian. new. It was that's really good Australian. Deal. That's, that's like that was a really US, good deal. Yeah. yeah, they sometimes went on special to, mm. to that price point, which, which was insanely good for what you get. And that's, I can see why it was way more accessible. And a lot of people had a PlayStation. And on top of that, you know, I can fork out another 400 bucks and get this way, way cheaper than trying to do it on PC. Yeah. And it, it seems like they're looking at the PSVR and addressing most of the main concerns that people have. So with the PSVR 1, they, it, it was a mess of wires, boxes, breakout boxes, plugs, everything. And yeah. most people that I heard, like in, you included, Mike, really loved it, but... Mm-hmm. Very painful to set up. Where do you mm. store it? Where do you put it? How do you connect it in? I know that people are disappointed that this is a single cord device. Personally, I actually like that because, you know, to have wireless set up, it is actually very annoying from a VR perspective. Often you'll have to have, you know, better than the standard Wi-Fi that most people have. So I think it's like Wi-Fi AC or Wi-Fi mm. 6 as some people refer to it as which is really rare at the moment. Again, yeah, in the future, it'll be common, but not right now. Uh, And also with the Move controllers, uh, they were built for PS3 uh, to copy the Wii. So they were Mm. never really designed for VR without VR in mind. And it it very much appears that they want to take the good things of the DualSense. But honestly, I think everyone knows that what they're going to do is they're going to look to copy what Oculus is doing with the Quest uh, and Mm. other VR sets where they have the tracking cameras embedded into the visor itself that then has, you know, something on the controllers to then send the signal back rather than having breakout yeah, boxes. And, senses. Yeah, which I think that to me makes sense. You, you've got to oh, remove sense, yeah. as many barriers yeah. as possible to VR. And I think a cord is not a bad thing. I think if no, a cord, it's a, cord it's is a, a decent good thing. length, it's going to be fine. It's definitely a decent length. Yeah. So the, the, one thing, the, one, the one thing that... Uh, that I, d- I did absolutely, I can echo those thoughts that stopped me from enjoying my PlayStation VR is it was a mess to set up because you need mm. the camera. So you got to figure a place for that. You got to put that in. You you need a bazillion different cables. And honestly, without the instruction book, I still struggle trying to figure out how to set it up because <laughs> it's, uh, it's kind of obvious once you do it, but there's just so many cables going left, right and center. It becomes really annoying. And Having used the Oculus now and having enjoyed at least as a standalone the freedom of not having a cable, to me, that is definitely the future of VR. That is that it's the number one, I think, barrier to mass adoption, to be honest, having that that sense of proper freedom of movement. And PSVR was far from it. It was just, it had way too many barriers to be able to do that. Now, in terms of the cable itself, I totally agree with what he said, but I think there's also, there, there are quite a few people, I think, that do have the technology required to get a semi-decent wireless solution going. So it would have been nice if it's an option that they'll enable. Now, I don't know if they didn't say it doesn't work wirelessly in that sense. They just said it's a single cable. We've we'll tried to make everything easier, which makes sense because that's the kind of marketing you want. But I do hope that they have the option available as well to have some sort of a wireless um, ability if you happen to have, you know, the Wi-Fi network and everything required to do that. I don't, that would I don't think it would. Like, you know, probably won't, if you but read like, the oh, press release, just the way it's structured and stuff like that, I don't think they would. And I think also don't forget that 
I think they would want to make this as cheap as possible to mm. allow the barriers to lower even further. And the more processing you do, and then if you have wireless, it means then you have a, have a lithium battery. You need a way to charge that. You need, you know, all of these kind of things. And I know that this is like down in the weeds, but even with lithium batteries, that means the way you ship it, the way you, you send it around the world. Yeah, there's actually there's a, lot a lot of restrictions. Yeah. And, you but know, I mean, look at just Oculus. Keeps on I, adding the cost, right? It does. It does. But I think I, 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 I would suspect, I don't know, there's probably numbers somewhere out there that maybe Facebook are making a loss on the Oculus 2 devices. Yeah, I maybe. would not be shocked at all. I wouldn't be shocked like, either. I actually it, can't even believe how, just, just for context, just quickly, like Oculus Quest, which is what you're talking about, the Quest 2? Quest 2, yep. yep. So what it is, is essentially a fairly decent Android phone without the phone functionality, but like a fairly decent Android phone, like good CPU, good battery, and pretty high def screens and, you know, headphones and these controllers, which I don't think are cheap either, just given some of the tech in them and cameras all for what is it like two ninety nine US like yeah yeah I, I, I ordered one possible? for four, how's it possible four twenty Australian money yeah it's insane like I, I don't mm. I don't see how because not only do they they obviously work with PC as well because um, we'll talk about it in a bit when we talk about Half Life Alex but they they're standalone and yeah. they work extremely well standalone so they've got the battery in there they've got the the performance required to be able to to do it all standalone battery life is fairly decent. Um, controllers are hundred percent standalone. Literally there's no wires whatsoever. You turn it on, you download a game, you play it in VR. It's insane for, to do all of that for 300 US dollars or in, in, in dollar ruse, uh, you mm. can get it on Amazon now for 420 imported. Yeah. It's the international version, but still. Sorry. It's like, sorry, that's, that's dollar redos. Dollar redos. Right? Yes. Yeah, I think it's more. Like... Important correction, a big week in correction. <laughs> yeah, it's a live correction. <laughs> Look, it's, 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 it's more like 480 or 460. It's 480. It is 479 officially, is. but that's still cheap. That's Absolutely. Crazy. I think it's that's extremely crazy. cheap. I mean, think about, think about what, what it required originally. So when I still have the Gear VR from Samsung. And I don't remember exactly how much it was, but I swear it was like around 130 bucks just for the device itself. Mm. And it was a glorified cardboard, Google Cardboard kind of device really in the end because you still had to plug your own phone in. And a lot of the phones that you needed at the time to use this were like $1,000 phones. So I, I know back then I had the Note 6 Edge Plus or whatever it was to be able to do it. Uh, whereas now the whole package is at most, if you actually order it through the official channel in Australia, under 500 bucks. And that's actually pretty cheap for VR. So we're not advertising Oculus. And by the way, I know that there's a whole bunch of people and ourselves as well that have a huge issue with Facebook forcing you you, to to log in. You own one. No, 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 I borrowed. I'm borrowing one just like you, you? but I have ordered one. Yeah, well, so you don't have an issue with it, but... I, I, no, I, I still have an issue with it, but I'm willing to kind of go, you know what, <laughs> you know what, it's still, no, 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 I, I, I will, uh, I will let them, I will let them, you know, have I, their way with me can I because say, it's a good, it's a good value device and it's, it's a way cheaper entry point into PC VR than actually buying, you know, cause the next, the next thing I is something say, like a HP that's twice the price. Last week you were fighting and arguing that if you, yeah, sure. If you don't have ethics, if you don't have morals, if you don't work <laughs> for Activision, I but know. you yourself say you hate Facebook and don't believe in it and don't like it. And then you're going to yeah. go pay money and sign up to their data interrog- interrogation program. 
Yeah, but I my my account has nothing on it. I don't know what they're gonna get. Oh, but you got to be careful with that. People have done so, that. They've said no, up no, fake it's not. Accounts. It's not. It's not a fake account. It's oh, okay. a real account. It's just. It's not. I don't have anything there. I don't. I don't really. Do you have I don't have any. On it? No, I don't. Oh, okay. You can still have a legitimate account, you, but not have any friends. Do you have trackers? Do you have like all that stuff box siloed off in your browser? Because otherwise, it will start collecting all that. <sighs> yeah, information it, will, it will track well. on everything. Maybe, maybe. I think I, I think I have my girlfriend added to it. There That's it. Well, that and of course, I get. I get su- it opens the door, but I, again, I don't give a shit because, congrats, there's nothing they do, and I I don't plan on getting anything through the official Oculus store. Anyway, let's go back to PSVR. So, but mm. look, like I think so. PSVR when it launched, it was three ninety nine US. So I I feel like with this, they right. would want to still try to target like a three four nine US, maybe even two nine nine if they can. And that that's why I'm actually glad to see the whole cable thing because. Some people won't have good wireless. Then they'll have a bad experience with it. Then they'll go, this doesn't work. I just think like try to keep it as simple as possible and try to keep it as cheap as possible. And if that means that for the most part, they've got very low end, cheap CPU on there with a very good screen, good sound, very good controllers and just a single cable going straight in, I'd, I'd, I'd pretty much almost guarantee I'll get it. And I actually think that this is why as well. If you look at the PS5, you'll notice that like the ports are like right in the middle, like right in the center. Like it's it's not an accident that they were put there. And also there's a USB-C port right in the middle of the PS5. And I, I, I'm almost certain that, you know, it's with the thought of, you know, the next VR unit will just be a USB-C cable that goes straight into the middle of the front of the PS5. Yeah, which kind of gives it the most maximum room to move and everything like yeah. that. Um, the one thing that I'm really keen to know is if because they've they've you can see this and we're going to talk about this a little bit later. They've been pushing more into PC and I think they noticed that they sell a game on PC. It doesn't hurt their PlayStation sales. It just <laughs> grows it it grows the pie. It doesn't yeah. shrink the pie or cut it up in different ways. So I really 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 hope that. Because I don't think there's anyone else in the market who's going to do this. So I really hope that PSVR 2 is from the start able to be a PC VR yes. unit. Because you can the use case, the original ones on PC, but it's a no, hack job. Yeah, it's a very... I have ha- used I, them. It's a hack job. It's you a mess, need I don't want to do special that. So- don't well, do at that. least when I tried it, you had, yeah. you had to have special software. No, but yeah, do, absolutely agree. And, it, and it's like a lot it, of stuff that I don't want to install onto my PC. Same, so. yeah. You want it out of the box? Yeah. Why not? Yeah, they're yeah. already porting a lot of the games. You're absolutely right. They're just it's extra money for them. So it would be like, and for them, I don't know the downside if they allowed it to be a PC VR unit. Really, what is the downside? They sell more units because there's people yeah. who think it's a great price point and it's a competitor potentially to the well, Oculus. That's probably so, where it gets into. Is it are they selling it at a loss or not? Because if they're trying to mm-hmm. sell it at a loss, they may not want a lot of a lot of people buying it on PC who aren't in the PlayStation yeah. ecosystem. Yeah, potentially. But, yeah. I mean, they could start up their own PlayStation store. I mean, this is kind of getting me on this train of thought of are PlayStation going to open up a PlayStation Store app on Windows and start selling mm. their games through that? I feel like that's a real possibility. Uh, then they could link that in through the PSVR unit. I don't know. I'm really keen. I, I got my eye on this because I will not ever buy an Oculus. Got my eye on you. So... And I don't see anyone else getting the market with a competitive price. I mean, Xbox, come at us. Like, please, make a VR <laughs> unit. Like, make it... I reckon they will. I reckon they will. I, I'd, I'd almost probably... Ugh, it's hard because I'm not an Xbox person. But, yeah, if, if it was a good one, I'd look into it. I'd wait for PSVR too. So, no, I, I'm really excited about it. I think it's really cool. 
And I've been desperate to play Astrobot, which is, you know, it's hard to say because uh-huh. it's not the first time Astro has been in the game. He was in another game before, but yeah, that's the like the the probably one of the best VR games from what I've heard. So I'm really really keen to play that because hey, hey, you've played that, Mike, right? No, I actually haven't. Oh, There's a few. I've got a whole. So so I bought a whole bunch of VR games on PlayStation. No joke, probably about thirty of them at least, and I think I played two. Oh wow! So yeah, so I've got a whole, whole backlog. So I'm looking forward now that I have that cable that I received in the mail. I'm looking forward to oh, yeah. taking out the PS. Uh, You're not joking yeah. about buying too many games in past. Oh years. no, <laughs> man. I'm not joking. I, had, I had so many. I, I had at least ten physical copies. You know, Arizona Sunshine, the Robinson <laughs> Robinson, the Journey, whatever that's called. Robinson uh, Crusoe. Yeah, I forget what it's called. Uh, there's so many. I bought, I bought. Uh, oh my gosh, what's the flight game? Uh, Ace Combat, just oh. because of the VR component of it. Did I ever play it? Nope. But you so, definitely play Astro. Like a lot of people gave that I have to game play of that, the year yeah. in the year it came out. Wow. So. Okay. Now I'll do it for sure. So I've got the cable. That's that, that was actually my plan this week, yep. especially in light of the news we just had. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into more Sony news. So the PlayStation State of Play came out this week, uh, announced earlier in the week. Uh, everyone got excited. There's uh, been a few announcements, actually. We've had, you know, BlizzCon, Nintendo Direct, Pokemon Presents, and now uh, PlayStation State of Play. Uh, the two big things that we'll cover, I guess it's what makes us interested. You know, the show opened with Crash, which I thought was very weird, given that we, we already knew a lot of the information. So I was, you know, getting a bit concerned. But, you know, they did have some bangers in this. Uh, and we'll start with Final Fantasy VII Remake Integrade, very oh, much. Oh, yeah. Very close to Integra, actually. It's uh, a remastered Integra. remake. <laughs> yeah, so coming to PS5. So it's going to come to PS5 as a standalone PS5 game with improving improved textures, lighting, and load times, as you would expect. So that's on the 10th of June. Uh, photo mode, which is becoming just like a stupid standout in all games. Uh, one thing that I'm getting concerned about, and I know you have massive concerns on this, Swinney, in a second, I'll throw to you, is just the option to prioritize between 60 FPS and 4K resolution. My early sense of the generation is this is going to be the way it goes, which is alarming. But I'll throw to you in a second, Swinney, uh, before you give any spoilers to the Final Fantasy VII story. Uh, <laughs> but I just wanted to really land this point around, like, it's quite odd how they launched this. So they came up with this game and they were really clear in the presentation. If you have the PS4 version of Final Fantasy VII, you will get Final Fantasy VII Remake for PS5, the upgrade for free. The caveat was if you have a physical version of it and now you have a PS5 digital version, you will not be able to upgrade it. But then there was something in the Japanese text that got translated that said, if you get it for free, or sorry, if you get Final Fantasy VII through PlayStation Plus, you will not get the upgrade for free. And everyone's like, well, wait, hang on, hang on a second. It was never released in PlayStation Plus, which made people go, oh, uh, wait a second, is it going to be a PlayStation Plus game? And I think it really forced Sony's hand to announce, and we'll cover it in the bargain bin, that next month's uh, you know, major free game will be Final Fantasy VII Remake. What a plot twist. But will not be able to be upgraded. So it's very, very strange what I've, they're doing I've here. I've got a question around that. Yeah. Um, so I don't know anything about the way that games work on the PlayStation, like the store and, you know, like the, I guess, the SKUs or whatever. Um, on Xbox, if you purchase a game digitally, hmm. 
it's like oh sorry if you get like a game through games of gold digitally yeah you can't repurchase that game in any way so in this situation mm. if someone downloads a ps plus can they never then unless they because even the, even the physical disc is treated as if you already own it so it's like Mm, right. It's, I'm like, can you never do the upgrade path if you download? But this is going to be a different plus? SKU because this is going to be the remake integrate. So I think it's a completely separate game. No, no. no but what are you saying for the PS4? For yeah, the PS4, for the PS4. Ah, see, it only has one SKU. Yeah, I can give you part of the answer, Swinney, because I'm a lapsed PS Plus member. So I, you know, very dig- diligent as you know that I am. Every time a game, any game comes up, no matter how bad, I would always mm. add it to my profile. Right, because then yes. it's like, okay, I can play it later. The weird thing for me is when I go to my games, it's super unclear if I can play a game or not. So some of the games, if I go to try to play them, it's like I don't believe I can even purchase it. I can just download it, and then it will say, "Oh, you don't have the license to this because you're not a PlayStation Plus member." And wow. I don't think it pops up as like I can buy it from memory. Now I'm I'm definitely going to be wrong let's about double, that. Yeah, let's double check that. I'm but it's not, sure. not it's just not clear. It's the, really not clear that you reason, can or can't. The reason I ask is if you download from PS Plus, like is that then going to lock you out of of being able to do the upgrade path? And well, essentially, well, at that point, to play it on PS Five, you have to repurchase on PS. Well, let me let me actually check right because. You know how I was talking about remote play at the intro of the show? <laughs> I'll remote play into my PS... Because I can't do it because I'm in my setup where I actually play my PS5. I'll remote play... I'm just showing the screen now. I'll remote play into my PS5 mm-hmm. to then check if I can actually buy some of the games oh, yeah. that I downloaded I, for I free. Um, but yeah, like one thing is with the UI of PS5, it's very unclear for me. So like Journey, hmm. and we'll touch on this soon, but Journey and... Nathan, the Nathan Drake collection were released for free. It wasn't as part of PS Plus. There was a time where Sony, as part of their Play at Home initiative last year, said, here's a game for free. Just, you know, log in, you click it, and it's yours forever. I am able to download those games and play them. I was playing Journey a little hmm. bit last night. Because um, they're not linked to PS Plus, yeah. No, they're not. But mm. I can't tell the difference between those games and the games that yeah, I got through little... PS Plus. I don't know the games I actually... bought, by the way. I to can't be tell completely... the difference between any of them. Well, I feel like, to be completely honest, I don't know if they thought that through in their interface. You know what Probably I mean? Not. <laughs> I don't know if they went through that level of thinking with some of that stuff. Mm. But let, let's check this out. And by the way, can I just confirm? So you're a PS4 Pro lapsed? No, I said PS Plus. PS I know, Plus. I'm just, I was trying to make a joke about Pro Lapse. <laughs> okay, we don't need that. <laughs> and the fact that you have a PS4. <laughs> All right, can I just, um, while you're checking that, um, I'll just talk to Integrate a bit. Yes. So the big news of Integrate was that there's a brand new episode featuring Yuffie. Which Yay! Who, who, you know, isn't like, not only is not in Remake, but also in the story, the part of the story in no, Final think, Fantasy VII. I think they are in Remake, right? Yuffie's not in Remake, no. Oh, so, okay. Cheers now. No, no, let me, let, me, let me explain this. So Yuffie's not in Remake, and the part of the story that Remake covers, Yuffie is not... Uh, in, of the original game, Yuffie comes just after that, right? So this is the first time we've seen Yuffie in any way in Remake, which is absolutely fantastic. And it's a... It's linking a lot into Dirge of Cerberus, so Final Fantasy VII Dirge of Cerberus, which was a PS2 game starring Vincent Valentine. 
not the most fondly loved Final Fantasy VII entry by a lot of people, but there are obviously hardcore fans that do enjoy it. And so this is, seems to be tying a lot of elements there, and they showed off, I think it's... I've never played Doja Service, so this is just based on all second-hand information. Uh, I think Vice, or why, uh, I guess it's Vice, um, one of the big bads of Doja Service, was shown off in the trailer as like a big, oh, he's part of this now. So I think for uh, they're really starting to bring in what's called the compilation of Final Fantasy VII into this. So it's absolutely <laughs> fantastic that they've got this episode. It is... The episode, from all accounts, and I've looked this up multiple times, and I hope you know it changes, or there's, I hope this is incorrect that the episode is exclusive to PS5, so it's not mm. like you can then go, uh, oh, load up a remake on my PS4, and it'll just be announced as DLC. I hope they do that. Um, I, I think they've already confirmed that you can buy the PS. Sorry, no, no, I'm completely wrong. I'm completely wrong. It's going to be PS5 exclusive. That's yeah, what I okay. heard. So this is really, really great. Um, it makes sense um, from what I know about what they do with the storyline of Remake to do this. It's not like they've shoehorned this in. It's a 100%. It's a okay. great addition. And I think, uh, yeah, it's going to be uh, really, really cool to see it, uh, how it all plays out. Okay. Totally. And so you, I've, sorry, got, just, I've got an update. Oh, yeah. I've got an update. So I was wrong. It's very <laughs> extremely subtle. Of you're wrong. Damn. Yeah, correction live in the show. Didn't we just say you're never wrong about they, 20 no, minutes I always, ago? I always correct myself. I said I, I swear could, we just no, said no. that. I'm very careful with my language. I think I said I can't tell where it is. You know? I know. I know. So uh, I won't work on the phone, but... Oh, damn. Oh, yeah, it's just coming to resolution. So uh, there's like a real subtle PS Plus logo overlay in the top right for games that I got through PS Plus. Okay. And that means that I can't play them right now, but when I click in it, it says view product and I can buy them. Okay. Right. Okay. Which makes sense. Yeah. That's yeah, what you'd that, expect. I think, but that's yeah. only because your lap, sub- subscriptions lapsed. Prolapsed. Yeah. So in a situation, a situation where it hasn't lapsed, you can't take the upgrade path because. Well, no, I we believe don't know. you'd be able to buy it, right? So you can still buy a game that you've got access to I that think you're so. able to play via PS Plus. Okay. Because on, yeah. on Xbox, you wouldn't be able to do that. That's why I wasn't sure how it would work on PlayStation. Yeah, PlayStation's a bit weird. You know, they had the, also the issue where people were downloading, like it, it was actually defaulting to the wrong version. It was de- defaulting to the PS4 version of some games. Yes. And people were playing the that, PS4 version yeah. and they didn't even know, which to me is such a comment of this generation. But I think they fixed that. It was just a, a, at the start while they were yeah. working out the kinks and stuff. But just, just to that point about people not knowing, when I looked, and I looked, I was watching the 1080 p60 frames per second version of the trailers honestly i couldn't really tell the difference between final fantasy 7 on ps4 pro and same. final fantasy 7 on until PS5. they got to the second part and exactly like, the same I'm like, and I'm what like, is the difference i'm like i can't <laughs> tell the, this is like when you go to the optometrist and they go is option a better or option yeah. b and you're like my god it looks exactly the same to me <laughs> yeah it's more like are they are they saying it hard on one or the other it must be so, a <laughs> So I just want to also mention some wild related news. So the same, just after they also dropped or during the show, two new Final Fantasy VII games for mobile. One yeah, of which, on with that? one of which is a battle royale game called the First Soldier. So that's based around, I guess, the people that become the first part of the soldier unit. And and this is the weirdest one: an episodic game that's a retelling. And this they basically say it covers the entire fo- compilation of Final Fantasy VII, which is five things. So it's 
four separate games and Advent Children. Now, oh. a lot of people are like, oh, they're remaking the whole thing while they're trying to do another remake because it's like a turn-based... It's like a... It's almost like a remastered um, version of the original in some ways, the way it looks. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's going to be there. I think it's just, they're going to take certain like important parts of mm. the compilation and story and say, this is the episode about the bombing run. This is the episode about this. This is the episode about this. That makes gonna, more sense. They're yeah. not going to remake the whole... Like, they, nah. <laughs> they, like Because not only that, how do you remake a movie? Yeah. You know, so... Anyway, that's just really, really weird, and uh, apparently they're going to be available like worldwide. It's not just a Japanese-only thing okay. like a lot of Square Enix mobile games have been in the past. So. Yeah, no, no, that, no, you're right, Winnie, because like, I'm just reading through it again. And I was reading through it before, but it, yeah, it's going to cover all of the timeline and all of the events of Final Fantasy VII. And when they say that, they mean the full compilation of Final yeah. Fantasy VII. So I think it's exactly what you're saying. It's going to... You know, they're going to bring to life all the events, all the story beats. The the thing in the rabbit hole, I did not go down, but I was seeing in the YouTube comments and just reading through that there's some theory. And Swinney, you're like way into RPGs more than I am, but people have a theory around the structure and timeline of Final Fantasy VII and what's the the right order, I think, of like games and how they all link together. Because someone was talking about that this confirms the AC to BC to CC to DC to EC theory. I was like, wow, what what are you talking <laughs> the about? The what to the who now? There's some theory about Final Fantasy VII and the structure and the, the sort of flow of, of okay. the games. And it's very much like, uh, I don't know if you were into the Game of Thrones where like the theories of who Jon Snow's parents are. And there was mm-hmm. like an acronym to describe it. That's what yeah. it reminds me okay. of. No, and and it's there. just okay. that with, with Square, they actually did list the games, or sorry, the movies and the games and the properties in the order of this theory, which is, and it's not an accident. It's not like these games came out in order. So it was like, or movies in, in some Interesting. cases. Interesting. It was like Advent Children, Before Crisis, Crisis Core, and then uh, Dirge of Cerberus. Like we're all like in that order from when they showed it. Yeah, there's. I mean, some of them are obviously sequels to others, but sure. there's ones that sure. like, and that I never played, like before Crisis and, and Crisis Call, yeah. where yeah, there's a bit of understanding. So that's yeah, that's pretty. Cool. I, I must admit, like when I looked at this game and I was looking at the gameplay and stuff like that, I was like, I kind of wish it was coming out on the Switch. Like, I might actually pick it up if it was like fifteen, twenty bucks. Oh, the uh, Ever Crisis, mm, Ever Crisis, the, yeah. yeah, that would make sense for the Switch. Yeah. But it's also going to be Square Enix a very have a very bad history yeah. of the way they monetize their games like Final Fantasy mm. Brave Exvius and, and like, yeah. oh, just a whole bunch of those like there's games I'm like oh that looks cool and then you go in there and it's just a horrible gacha game and yeah, so uh, we'll see what the actual uh, structure of these games are but Final Fantasy so. 7 Remake super into this I personally don't really see the benefit in the upgrade that much i think what? the 60 the 60 frames per second is a huge one right? what like that that is okay so how about we ask decided. we ask the one and only person out of this entire group that's actually played the game <laughs> which is me and so far i haven't really said anything on this so my two cents is <laughs> as as the one person that's played this game already yes, i haven't yes. finished it i haven't finished it i put it down after a certain point one hour especially like when the period well no 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 i think it was quite a bit more than that but True. to to be honest, it was I bought it. I think I bought it at launch, but I already knew the PS Five was going to come out, and I thought in the back of my my mind, how much of this do I really want to play? Do I want to play all of it, or do I want to just <laughs> leave it and then come back to it 
when guaranteed it's going to be available on PS5 and it's going to run mm. better. Because it obviously runs at 30 on, on console and it looks fantastic and everything. It's just that if I could play it at 60, I absolutely would play it at 60. So I knew that was going to happen. I strongly suspected it was going to happen. And I put it down after I um, once, look, it was probably like about five or six hours into it. <laughs> and so it's, it wasn't a lot, I agree. And, uh, I, and, and it was kind of a waste of a full price game that I was looking forward to for ages. Yeah. Uh, but I'm kind of glad now that I didn't. So, but you would have got it for free next month. I would have got, just gotten it for free, yeah. But I, I guess this way, this way, you know, I, I, I can upgrade to the PS5 version now because I've got a physical you copy. Can. So yeah. it works out all right. Uh, but but I agree. Uh, I agree with some of the stuff you said around when I when I watch some of the comparisons at the start of it, especially. I could not tell the difference. Mm. I, I ran it at. I double checked, made sure my resolute the the settings on YouTube that I was watching it were correct. Yes, it's it's on high definition. I think actually, I think it was higher than high def. I forget. But anyway, it it, it was high. But then when they showcase some of the other things like the volumetric fog, the different lighting effects. You could absolutely tell the difference in, in places like that. I think from what I've heard, one of the biggest things, other than 60 frames, of course, is the textures. So there were some really dodgy textures mm. in Remake. And from what people have seen and compared, they fixed a lot of that up. Yeah. So Cool. Yeah. I That's mean, it, make, it makes sense that they've done a full re-release of this game, given that you would expect part two, part three, part N, who knows mm-hmm. where they'll end, uh, will all come on PS5. So it'd be so odd if it was like stranded on PS4. So I think you're yeah, right. Yeah, now there's like, no way it would have been stranded. Yeah, it was always going to be lined up. Of course, it was always going to be lined up. So number one, it was always going to be lined up. Number two, eventually there's going to be a remaster of the remaster when they. Sorry, it'll be a remaster of the remake. No, it'll be a remaster of the remastered remake, where they'll have all of the episodes in one package. Maybe towards the end of the PlayStation Five era, I don't know. It's more like the PlayStation Six end of PlayStation Six. Well, no, it'll be like the end of the PS Five era. I I feel maybe we'll see. We'll see what the heck's going to happen with that. If they do a three part, I think there's a there is some chance that they will. I was thinking a three part. Maybe two to three years from now, release part two, and then right when the PS Five's dying, they'll release the last part. That's so here's here's the thing. I feel like the Yuffie DLC makes sense because it's a it's almost like a segue into the next episode to some extent. Sure. I like how they're introducing that character because it is a character that's a core part of the the game. Um, I Especially because back in the day, she had one of the most powerful weapons because of the way the game mechanic worked, which I think was, th- thought was really cool. And I hope they keep that um, in this. And it, it makes sense that they had this as like a segue DLC almost to introduce yeah. the character. So when the second episode comes out, it's like, oh, I know all about Yuffie. And, yeah. and this is... so. That that's all I have to say on this. I think, unless you guys uh, have any other thoughts, no. should we talk about something no. else, Swinny? And just just to just to remind everyone, so for your case, you'll get the upgrade, but you won't get the Yuffie uh, DLC. You have to pay extra for that DLC. And if that's you fine. buy it from it. scratch from PS Five, you get the DLC incorporated in the game. Uh, Swinny, do you want to take away the next one that we wanted to highlight? Like there are a lot of other things in the state of play, but this is probably the only other thing that caught our eye: Solar Ash. Yeah, I won't spend too long on this because the big news was Final Fantasy. Um, but yeah, Solar Ash, so Heart Machine, uh, developer uh, behind uh, the very critically acclaimed Hyperlight Drift, mm. they gave us the biggest look at gameplay for Solar Ash, which was actually announced back in March 2019 and was originally known as Solar Ash Kingdom. 
So it's actually set in the same universe as Hyperlight Drifter, but it's not hmm. it's not being pitched as a direct sequel. And doesn't um, look like it's made on Game Maker. No, yeah, so this is definitely... Hey, Hyperlight is... Drifter was freaking awesome. That was on Game Maker. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it was. So, yeah, Hyperlight Drifter was a 2D, like, a uh, top-down... Uh, Beautiful you know, ...action game. game. Oh, absolutely. And just absolutely stunning game. And this is very much a 3D, mm. really cool... What looks like yes, an action platformer of sorts looks really, really great. They've got Disaster Piece, the composer from uh, Soul so Ash good. and Fez, coming back for this as oh, well. I, um, something about that their their music is just so yeah. I can't describe it. It's it's and awesome. So it's coming out on PlayStation Four, PlayStation Five, and PC, which is an Epic Game Store exclusive. Ooh. There was some leaked <laughs> typo kind of thing where it said it's coming out to Steam in 2029, which is obviously a, was a typo. <laughs> but the fact but that why there was do anything... they keep doing this stuff? How do they keep doing these typos, man? But that does that sounds hint, more like a joke. That does hint at the fact that you know eventually it may come to outside of Epic Game Store. So yeah. it's very much likely uh, for release apparent around June this year. Um, as per another, well, it's not leaked, but another uh, weird thing, which was Sony's recent CES, uh, I guess, slides or presentation where they had a whole bunch of third-party release date info, and Solar Ash was part of that. So I'm super mm. looking forward to this game. I'll be, you know, I'll be playing this on PC as a, you know, not on a uh, PlayStation owner at this point. But uh, yeah, I'm super pumped. I do need to get back to finish Hyperlight Drift. I got all the way to the end, and uh, I can't remember why why I stopped playing. But mm. that game is amazing, and this game looks great as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you know, I think this is the type of game that I don't get hyped for. But if I played or when it comes out, I could get into it really easily. There's just something about the way that the game looks. I love the way it looks. But for whatever reason, it's just not the kind of game that hypes hmm. me. I just need to play it. Would you say, though, you're maybe lightly hyper about it? <laughs> <laughs> he's drifting away. Oh, very good. Uh, he's very good voice. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> maybe we'll get into the next piece of news. Uh, so Sony uh, have announced that they've downsized and changed the operations of their Japan studios through a restructure. And scale back, um, that's going to happen in... Well, it's already happened, but it's been occurring over some time, but it's finally had confirmation. Uh, so this studio is very much a lifeblood and you know part of the DNA for Sony. So developing games like Ape Escape, Loco Roco, Patapon. I'm going to like struggle with Knack and Gravity Rush. Uh, and then also, obviously, as well, uh, Astro Bot, which has come out of this wider studio. Uh, they have provided support on many games. And I think that was one of the biggest uh, facets of how they were organized previously. So, for instance, working very closely with From Software on games like Demon's Souls uh, and Bloodborne and also The Last Guardian. Uh, so th- we have noticed and we've noted some of the studio execs that have been leaving Japan studios. And just given that Japanese business culture, which is not, you know, just same as Western culture, doesn't mean it, it has to follow this model, but generally in Japanese business culture, most folk stay at the same organization. That's just the way it works. Uh, you know, you, so you commonly see people, you know, work at a place for 20, 30, 40 years. And it did seem strange wow. that a lot of people were leaving this studio. A lot of key people were leaving this studio all the way back from November last year and even before then. Uh, and then, yes, it does seem very clear now that given the restructures that are occurring in this space as to why some people were leaving and, you know, taking other opportunities when they could. 
one major thing that the or the you know the reorg is going to show is a they're going to disperse a lot of the talent and teams into other areas of Sony Interactive Entertainment, whether that be their game studios that they own or other operations, and they're going to refocus what was Japan Studio and push it all behind Team Osa. I don't, I've never actually said this word, Osobi. I guess it is. Yeah, uh, team Asobi, the folk who make Astrobot, uh, and you know it's funny because this is actually you know the way that we count games is if it's a pack in, it's counted as a as a sale. So Astro's Playroom will sell unless they change how it works, which I don't think they will. But Astro's Playroom will sell as many PS5s as they sell. So if PS5 sells 80 million copies, Astro's Playroom will be regarded as an 80 million seller. So <laughs> Astro's Playroom is mm. going to go down as one of the highest selling games of all time eventually. I mean, it's kind of cheating, but you know what? It, it counts and it's an amazing game. It's an amazing so, game. It's a 10 yeah. out of 10 game for me. I love that wow, game Wow, so 10 much. out of 10. Damn. Yeah, I love it. I, I, it's still, it feels like it's weird. It's like it doesn't... I thought at first it'll just be a tech demo, especially because yeah. it's bundled in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's not. It's more than a tech demo. It's a it, game that you could sell standalone. It'll, it'll, it'll be an amazing game. It's a small game. It's, it's, right. it's, yeah. it's a game of the length of games that used to come out in my youth, like SNES Yeah, games. and I enjoyed that. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. And it's not like a three-hour game. Like, to do everything completed, speed runs, all that kind of... I think I'm now, like, in the top 10,000 in the speed runs and stuff like that. I'm, Damn. But I haven't played it that much, but I do want to probably play that a little bit more, but... It's your new Rocket League. Yeah, no, get number I'm, one. I'm actually really excited about this because I love Astro as a character. I think it's perfect for Sony to fall behind as a mascot mm. and it's shaping up that way. And It totally is. It's absolutely their mascot yeah, now. And it's exciting to me to see them. And, and honestly, Sorry, Crash. as much as I want to see VR, like another Astro VR game, I would just love if they made like Astro's Playroom, but like full game. Like try to go, hey, we're going to try to compete against the Mario Odyssey style thing. I think that they could make an amazing game. Like I think they will probably game. do that. Guaranteed, it's the new it's the new Crash Bandicoot yeah. of PlayStation. Yeah. And it helps that they own it, whereas with Crash, they don't. Mm. So uh, yeah, no, but very sad for the folk who uh, have, have, you know, lost what they were doing before this. Uh, but hopefully there's mm. some really good opportunities out there. Well, I feel sorry for the people that have actually lost their jobs because there have been people mm-hmm. laid off, apparently. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So it's for me this look this this makes sense hundred percent, um, and it's definitely from a business standpoint, uh, it, there is a big part of PlayStation history that is lost um, from this restructure. So this studio dates all the way back to like '94, you know, and wow. we talk like just just have a look, go on Wikipedia, check out Japan Studio, and just see the games that they've been involved with. Some of the most iconic PlayStation franchises in history. And so there is, there is, it is kind of, it's very bittersweet, um, sweet in the sense that it, like they, you know, as I said, they're, they're focusing on what makes sense. Yeah. Um, but it is leaving a very big part of PlayStation history behind with this change. And it does show that their approach to exclusives is quite interesting now. They own studios and they really do seem to almost let them do what they want. They just want high quality from them. So, you know, they buy high quality AAA studios and really almost just go, hey, we just want you to stay at that level. That's what we want. And this approach that they were taking with like From Software with Bloodborne and Demon Souls, maybe that was frustrating people as well. I think I'd be really frustrated if I was working on Bloodborne and had 
some kind of intermediary at Sony sort of going, oh, no, we want the game to be more like this or that. Mm. Like if that's their bread and butter, it's almost like, dude, just like if you want us to make an exclusive, great. Tell us the direction and we'll make our game. You know, you kind of know what you're paying for. If you get like a From Software or something like that or a Blue Point. I don't know. I just thought it was interesting. Well, I mean, From from came back to them, you know, so it must have, the first time around mustn't have been that bad. So. <laughs> yeah, no, fair, fair. I mean, that that whole, like, we, I feel like we could have a whole special segment on sliding doors of what could have happened with Dark Souls, <laughs> and it could have been a exclusive to Sony, which is crazy to think about. Like, that could have been devastating to Microsoft. Um, but, yeah, Mike, like, any other thoughts here? No, absolutely nothing. Again, uh, just like you guys said, my thoughts do actually go out to the people that have lost their job. I really hope that they, there's some sort of redundancy type arrangement that mm. they have in Japan as well. I have no idea how they yeah, structure that stuff off. Mm. And I hope that, you know, if there's people that have been there for a very long time, I can imagine how devastating it would be to lose your job after being at a company for 20 years, especially if culturally that's the, the sort of thing that you grew up with. So that's, yeah. Yeah. And in our last story in the Big Week in Sony podcast... It just keeps coming, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Sony wants More Sony news, man. More <laughs> Sony news. And this was like an interesting one. So this was primarily from a GQ article uh, with Jim Ryan uh, and just really like dropping things. And even like I loved... I don't know if you guys have read... Uh, I know Swinney would have. Mike, I don't know if you read through the GQ article, but it's quite no, funny to read an article where they're almost going, we almost didn't expect all this stuff to come out in the article. It felt so it like, like the guy's like, oh, can I ask this question? And Jim yeah. Ryan's like, oh, yeah, this and this and this and this. Yeah, and I think any good reporter will ask the questions that even if they feel like, oh, there's going to be a no, you're not going to tell me this. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, they went through and he really went out and confirmed a lot of things and confirmed games that were pushing out and initiatives and things like that. So Probably some of the biggest ones are, and, you know, I touched on it earlier in the podcast, but, you know, Sony is seeing dividends in releasing games on PC. It is not cutting into their sales of PlayStation or games on PlayStation. And I think, you know, you're seeing this with things like, you know, if you offer a game to Xbox Game Pass and you track the sales data, the games start to sell more. And it's this kind of exposure lens. People get exposure to the game People go, oh, you know, this is going to go off Game Pass. It's on sale at the moment. I'm just mm. going to get it because I really like this game. And I would have they never played it They tell their friends. Before. Correct. Yeah. And it creates a nice virtuous, you know, circle of, you know, sales. Uh, and, you know, they're seeing that with PC. And he, Jim Ryan, who's the head of uh, Sony Interactive Entertainment, has confirmed that they are going to push even more games into the PC sphere, starting awesome. with Days Gone, which I think is really smart. Like that game, that game had a very bad launch in terms of, the most folk who were reviewing the game had a broken build of it and some people just brutalized the game gave it very low scores supposedly you know people who played the later revisions of the game sort of went hey you know this has jumped one or two points up on a wow. 10 point scale okay um so i i actually am keen to try this game this game's part yes, of the ps free. plus yeah. collection yep. if you have ps plus so I have yeah. a physical copy of it as well, no less, and I have not played <laughs> nice, it. So nice. You might want to try to, it. To be fair, I got that as a present, but still. Yeah. Oh, no, no, I, I started the intro. I'm like, this is exactly the kind of game I love. I love zombie games. I love 
post-apocalyptic games. Yeah. So this it's perfect for me. I just too too much other stuff, but it's absolutely high up on my list. So Actually, I I was tossing last night between that and Detroit become um becoming become human. human. No, become become human. become sorry become human. Uh, as to which one I'll, I'll tackle next, and it ended up being Detroit. So I'm I'm gonna Dude, do Detroit. Next. I was literally gonna play Detroit become human last night as well. Whoa, that's funny. <laughs> anyway, I'll pa- I'll pause there. Uh, so days gone. That's coming out Q2 2021. Uh, yes, we don't know what other games are coming out to PC, but, you know, I mean, imagine if they put God of War on PC. It would be wow. fascinating. So that's, that just brings me to his the whole point about, oh, uh, we haven't seen, you know, like much impact. Well, God, I know Horizon Zero Dawn was obviously, was a huge game. I'm not underplaying that, but yeah. it wasn't God of War. No. <laughs> so that's that's my question is like, how can you like, to me, that's like you can't make a, a judgment on call on that yet until you release yes. a God of War or Last of Us on on PC. And also, and also, wait, was... let me just finish. And also, mm. the you're releasing these games well after they come out. So at some point, do you start to reduce the time distance between when it launches on PlayStation and then mm. then see how that impacts it? Because I think at some point there will be a point where it makes sense where it's like, well. Bloodborne, let's say Bloodborne 2, if that's ever a thing. Well, I know they, you know, if they ever put Bloodborne on PC as part of this, well, I know that might come to PC one day. So, you know, the more you release, the more people might wait. So, yeah, anyway. Yeah, look, I think on that, the time thing, Sony's very conservative with these things. I think they'll always wait a 12 to 18 month window before they re release it on PC. Yeah. You're right. I I think you're spot on, Swinney. It's. I do get this sense that God of War will come out to PC. I'm actually not so sure mm. about Last of Us. I just feel like that's something about that game that they want to keep on PlayStation. But Maybe, God of War but just why? kind of... I don't know. There's, I, it's, it's, I can't really fully articulate it, but I just feel like God of War, number one, is just such a PC crowd game. Like, that to me just like is just, you know, it feels like a PC game to a small degree, whereas Last of Us feels more like a movie, more of an experience, more suited i think to a controlled environment which is like you know consoles are controlled gaming environment i guess yeah but it's been so long since it's an initial release other than i know, I know. worrying it's, about it's any impact that it has to part three if there's a part yeah. three yeah. there's no reason not to do it especially after so much time has passed so horizon zero dawn's an interesting one because anecdotally i've had three friends that have said they want the game when it was a playstation exclusive and they wished it was on pc because they didn't play playstation yeah g-man was one of them and a couple of others and then it came out and all three of them actually bought the game on pc Mm. it's a shame that it it kind of ran a bit crap and whatnot and had some issues but I supposedly it has, but but you know it's still like they were keen about that. They're not once that they mentioned God of War. Interestingly enough, now I know that's a super small sample size, so you can't go by that. But it's fascinating that different people obviously want different things. Bloodborne is the number one thing that other that that my friends have said. Oh man, I wish Bloodborne was on this. I'd play the play it to death. Blah blah blah. Um, but unfortunately, that isn't available. And I just think it it comes to a certain point where the game's been out for so long that there's no harm in a way to release it on PC because it's not at this point, it's not cutting into your PlayStation sales. No one is now going, man, I really want that horizon zero dawn or that God of war game that was released, you know, three, four years ago. And I'm going to buy a PlayStation just for that. I don't know about that. that. It's so few people. Now you'll get way, way, way more sales out of, 
out of the selling the game itself on PC than you would out of people holding off just to get it on on PlayStation. After all this time, I I, th- I kind of agree with Swinney. I don't think they've they've put enough games on there to really test that because I do think that there's some critical level of games where people start to look at it and go, ah, why get a PlayStation? They're all going to come to PC versus still there's so many exclusives to PS4, PS5 that uh-huh. you can't play anywhere else. Like so much so that you go, oh, if I'm really into gaming and all this kind of stuff, okay, I'm just going to get a PS5. Like it makes sense. You know, there's Last of well, Us, there's all these other games that, you know, you can't play anywhere else, right? Yeah, but yeah, yeah. There's a tipping point. I do think there's a tipping point and they haven't come anywhere near that tipping point. But how do you define that tipping point? Because I think the the only way to know potentially how this will pan out is obviously, you know, to test the waters and see how it goes. But that's a difficult hmm. thing to do when you only release, you know, a small handful of hits that you can test with every couple of years or something, well, you know. It's not something you can well, iterate the, every month so and get no, something out this there. Is, this but, is not an every year thing. Like, as part of that um, interview, he was like, we're, we're moving forward with this. So this is yeah, not yeah. going to be... They're obviously going to trickle it, but it's not going to be the, t- the the time frame between Horizon and Days Gone. They're no, no, I get that. But what, what I'm saying is it's, 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 you've got such a small sample size of exclusive games that you can test this with that it's hard to test. You know, usually you need, in order to really get good quantitative and qualitative data, you need to be able to have a I whole bunch of different things you can test with. I don't think it's this a small, really... small group at all because if you think about it, they've got Last of Us Remastered. Oh, they've got so many. God of War, they've got Spider-Man. Yeah, okay, got, fair enough. Yeah, they've I got think all they've the got a few that they Grand could, Turismo, could test it with. But what so I'm saying many. is what, what, what you can't test ultimately is we've now released one game. Oh, wow, it's really successful on 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 PC, has it affected our PlayStation sales? Hmm. No, it really hasn't. We've made quite a bit of money on this game. You've released two games, you've released three games. What if you release five games and all of a sudden that equation completely changes because all of a sudden people do go, well, hang on a minute, it looks like they're releasing all the games on, on PC. Why that's am exactly I buying a PlayStation? Which is exactly what we're saying. Yeah, that's what so it's, saying. Re- it's, it's hard to, but where's that point? It's hard to figure we out where know, that point but, is. But, but so just, just, what, just, just want, let, let me ask you a yeah. question though, because you're asking a question, right? The point has been reached for something like Xbox for me. Like I won't buy an Xbox because yes. there's yep. enough games on PC and there's so few exclusives that to me it's at a point where I look at it and go, I'm paying in Australia $750 to play, I don't know, five exclusive games that are only on Xbox console. Like essentially I'm going, well, each game I'm paying, it's like a hundred dollars Australian already to buy the game and then another hundred and uh-huh. something dollars for, for the console, console cost, right? Yeah. It's not worth it, right? Mm. So there is a tipping point. There has to be a tipping point because some people are so bolted onto PC mm. and I think it's the best platform, by the way. But, but see, this is the key thing that I that I'm wondering though. You're one of those people much much like myself, and I guess funny as well, that's privileged because we have the options there and we have a PC that is capable of doing that. And the console is almost like a secondary thing. I'd love to see a split and I'm sure it exists somewhere out there. And I don't know how accurate it is mm. that shows how many people have only a single console versus multiple consoles versus PC alone versus PC with multiple consoles. Yeah. You know, like I'd like to see that because I think that governs some of the, some, some of this as well. 
So we're in a position where it's like, man, I've got so many other consoles that you're right. Why would I also get an Xbox if I can do all this on PC? Sure. But it's funny because yeah. you didn't get an Xbox, whereas I'm like, yeah, yes, I, I can do that, but I still went out and got an Xbox. I haven't even opened it. I think so, we need to. I think we need to wrap up the rest of this The other, the other yeah. major. There's two other. Well, sorry, I'll just touch on quickly. Gran Turismo Seven. They have confirmed that's been pushed back to 2022. Boo, I think some of these to. games you'll find just. You know, they haven't transitioned well to uh, the working at home sort mm. of approach. Uh, talking about working at home, Sony are bringing back their Play at Home initiative, which I think is really awesome. They did it last year with Nathan Drake Collection and Journey, which is really cool. Two great, you know, games. I mean, Nathan Drake's a collection. Uh, they haven't confirmed all the games, but they've already said that in March, so just a couple of days from now, or sorry, tomorrow, uh, Ratchet and Clank will be free for everyone in the month of March, which beyond playstation plus just anyone who has a playstation 4 or 5 can get ratchet and clank for free so that's that's i think awesome Uh, and they've said that they're going to do that for four months so it'd be really fascinating to see what games they push out on there and then finally they have confirmed in this interview and a lot of people were waiting for this because their hard drives are filling up that they will update the firmware to allow for uh, you to install an approved ssd into the ps5 they have also noted that they're working on making and unlocking the fan speed of the PS5, which huh. makes me very nervous because initially when they did the tests and you know people ripped apart the PlayStation, there wasn't very good cooling on the, on the part of the board where you put the SSD. And now the fact that they've already said they want to increase the fan speed, I almost look at it and go, have they kind of stuffed up the design a little bit where... You know, they really needed a better heat sink for the SSD because these SSDs can get insanely hot, Mm. like insanely hot. So I think that's a bit of a watch this space, but that will be in the second half of this year where they'll they'll have that firmware update and we'll we'll know which uh, SSDs are approved uh, for installation. So yeah, hell of a lot of Sony news this week. Uh, Really cool stuff, really interesting stuff. Kind of surprised they didn't flow this into the state of play. So, Very so, surprised. So much news, in fact, that they crashed Xbox Live for a day. So. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, we'll, we'll get to the other major announcement this week, which was the Pokemon Presents presentation, which is a horrible way to say it. So this, <laughs> this mostly, you know, celebrating Pokemon 25, which is the 25th anniversary of when Pokemon uh, Red and Green came out in Japan. Uh, so obviously Pokemon massive franchise. In fact, the biggest from a dollar perspective franchise in the world ever. So bigger than Mickey Mouse, bigger than any sort of other thing you can throw at me, uh, which to me, I'm kind of still shocked to know that Pokemon is the biggest. Uh, and then, yeah, obviously in the last few years when they added Pokemon go sort of just went to even harder. Uh, so there's a lot of stuff announced. Well, not that much, but you know, the big two things for us, I think were Pokemon legends, uh, how do you say it? It's Arceus? Is that how you say Arceus? Who, who Arceus? knows? Who knows? Arceus? Arceus? No, I think it's Arceus. I think it's Arceus. Arceus. I think I thought, it was, I thought it was pronounced Arceus, but Arceus? I think they pronounce Arceus? it Arceus. Arceus? Arceus? <laughs> and Pokemon Brilliant Are Diamond. Are you serious? Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl, which were the much rumored and uh, wanted remakes of Diamond and Pearl, which came out uh, in 2006 on the Nintendo DS. So maybe we'll just start there because I think that'll be a bit quicker. 
you know, like I'm kind of surprised that they didn't go with the Let's Go style. This is more of a chibi style 3D. Uh, and I don't know, honestly, it looks like a PS2 game or PS3 game to me. How, how did this hit you, Swinney? You're probably more of a Pokemon fan than Mike is <laughs> playing one game. It's, yeah, a very, it's a very interesting bar because I've not played a mainline Pokemon game since Pokemon Red. Um Hang on, that's the same as me, to be fair. So, <laughs> you know, yeah, I can't believe on. I'm the Pokemon expert. I've actually I think played, you're the Pokemon expert out I've of all I actually played yeah. a lot of, like, Let's Go, Eevee, because my wife has that. So, okay. so look, I I think this is... I don't. I haven't gone to check Pokemon Reddit or Pokemon Twitter <laughs> to see what the take is on this, but uh, I think that while uh, the Let's Go uh, games were... Was it two games or was it a single game? No, it's like let's go Pikachu, let's go Eevee. Yeah, okay. of course it is. Yeah, yeah. No, I just wasn't sure. Um, I think that they deviated a bit. So I think that in terms of the gameplay, so I think people are probably happy these are a bit more faithful. Um, yeah, these are a completely faithful remake. So yeah. it sounds as if they're not changing almost anything if they don't have to. Whereas, as you're saying, let's go. The biggest thing is the battle system were completely different. It's yeah. essentially you run into a wild Pokemon, you just throw your Pokeball at it and try to catch it. That's it. Yeah. So it's very different. Yeah, so I think for people that are you know want to replay these games, it's honestly probably the best way they could have done it, um, other than making maybe making them look a bit more nicer. And that, well, and just on that, did you think it looked nice? Uh, look, it just looked like Pokemon to me. Honestly, I didn't yeah. like. I was more focused on. I'm I'm more interested in uh, new Pokemon Snap because I love the original Pokemon Snap. If I'm going to okay. play any Pokemon game, it's probably going to be that one. But, that was uh, the one thing that stood out. So, someone who wasn't huge into Pokemon. Um, other than the very originals when i watched that last 25 years of pokemon when they had the original snap what what was that called the one on was pokemon it snap. Pokemon snap, just pokemon. well the original pokemon <laughs> snap yeah to me that was actually one of the coolest innovations when when you print it out and you put the stickers on the sheet i'm like wow that was so cool that's such an original cool concept and it was very tactile and it kind yeah. of merged real world with the virtual world i love that but even as a game if you didn't muck around with that it was just a fun game short yeah. but fun clever yeah. mm. So it sounds like you're more likely to get new Pokemon Snap over anything else. Well, yeah. Not that you're get that. I, honestly, I'll probably be playing something else, but um... <laughs> let me guess an RPG. Um although they Pokemon's an RPG. Yeah, no, yeah. Yeah, no, it's... yeah, it is. But so it's not like, on Xbox, so I and I think we're gonna have diverse views on this, I'm guessing. But they yeah, let's get into the Pokemon Legends game. So this is coming out in early twenty twenty two, opened up. This has kind of been rumored and there's been some rumors out there. It to me, it looked like an open world game uh, set in the early Pokemon legends or like history. So much, much before the current, I guess, times of Pokemon. In uh, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get hate mail for this. It's the Sino Sino region. I'm not sure, but they okay. say that you're creating the first Pokedex in that region. So it's yeah, I saw yeah. that. So okay, I, and I already you know we we have a bit of an offline rule of not talking about stuff to get the live reactions, but. I actually thought this looked really cool. And I was like, damn, this is this is the like first Pokemon game I've seen where I'm like, huh, I might actually like play uh, this game. The game the idea and like the, a lot of it, I love the fact that this game exists, but Yeah. Oh man, it looked like dog shit. Like it looked like trash. It looked like absolute trash I what they showed. It looks like it looks like a late PS2 Bring it up. late PS2 game. Sure. If, it looked, if, yeah. Metal Gear Solid 3 <laughs> looks better than this game. Yeah. Still look it looked though. like they flipped a bunch of assets and 
No. Not not just that the the frame rate and it wasn't just I, I did read a few yeah, comments about this early, as well because I thought game, I thought uh, is it but just me is it my 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 monitor or something frame rate was shocking I'm, I'm sorry if that's the best you can show frame rate wise and performance wise yeah. of your game at this point then it don't show me. it like I'm sorry like well what it, do you wanted them to do do a fake trailer like Cyberpunk style and bait and switch no, people I mean no, no so, I'm, ca- I'm kind of glad they did the this game didn't run yeah, well yeah. And then if they improve it, holy moly, everyone's going to love the like, fact that it, it improved. It will get improved. I'm not saying it's not going to, but man, like, get, look, I know Sword and Shield had a lot of critics around this as well, but Sword and Shield looks so much better than this bloody yeah. game. No, yeah, way it better. Didn't. I reckon it did. Absolutely did. <sighs> and the fact that, that it's been compared to, to Zelda, Breath of the Wild, is such a disservice to Breath of the Wild. <laughs> Breath of the Wild looks way better if you look at the actual details. It's, it's uh, yeah, I, I really hope that they they fix that stuff up because I think it's going to be a bit of a if, if it's if it's going to come out the way it's looking like it's going to be now I don't think it's going to be a success the oh, one thing it'll that be I, success every Pokemon well no, I don't, okay, I, don't know, okay, I don't okay, know I don't okay, know let's I don't go think back it to will. your dumb takes that, that's gone back to S <laughs> tier I think this new Pokemon game with the open world game is not going to be a success no, no, so no, no, no. If it's line, in the Mike, state... Give me if, a line. Okay, wait, no, hang on. I got to make sure it doesn't get taken and out I of context. And I will guarantee I'll go over. <laughs> if it's going to play and look the way it currently looked in that trailer... Even then. I think it's going then. to struggle to be successful. Nah. But, <laughs> but, but hang on. Nah. In, saying, in saying all of that, I think what will make it potentially successful is that it's, it's, it, it's a different direction. They're actually trying something different. I think... Uh, I'm not. I'm not a huge Pokemon fan. Obviously, I know a lot of Pokemon fans are quite diehard, and they love that formula that happens in every single game. And I kind of roll my eye and go, "Don't you guys want something different?" But then, you know, I look at a game like Dark Souls, and I'm like, "No, nah, don't change it. Keep the formula. Just give me a new Dark Souls game." So I'm no different. I'm absolutely no different. Okay. But I think I think it's awesome that they're going in a different direction. But they need to they need to improve the graphics. I think, and they it's, need but it's to a trailer. It's early fix. days, man. Well, I know that. I know that. But all I'm saying is if it's in the current state that it was presented to us and that's what the final product's going to look like, people are going to be pissed. No. Well, people were pissed about Sword and Shield and sold like 12 million copies. Yeah, but that so. didn't run that bad. That looked all right. Yeah, it did. It like, ran all right. No, no, that's not true, dude. It had like its frame drops in the open world and everything. But to this extent? Yeah. It's just pretty much the same. Huh. Okay. Look, the one that this had... Well, people w- don't care about that this, then. This is like... This had actual animation missing. Like there are some bits where you can see the <laughs> the character animation. It, they haven't done it yet, so it's just like it just stops or drops in between frames. Well, I've I've seen that some games do that. It's a draw distance thing. So one thing that I noticed about this particular game as well is the draw distance is probably what's super shocking. As in the trees that aren't even that far away from your character look ridiculously pixelated no anti-aliasing super pixelated really like really low no resolution anti-aliasing in the switch and i know that i know switch, it's, yeah. it's part of the problem as well but even so it, they just look really low resolution and one thing that i noticed and some games do that and i think games like um dark souls on the switch might even do this i know games like um i think the witcher 3 might do this as well if characters are a certain point beyond uh, your character in the distance, it drops the frame rate drastically. They yeah. basically run like, like half the frames to be able to, to for the, the console to handle that. It looked like it was doing something like that, but way too close to the player, like ridiculously close mm. to the player. Now, I'm sure that's the stuff they'll tweak, 
but but I hope I hope that's not going to remain in the final game because that was shockingly bad. I don't think I've ever seen any game where it does that at such a short distance. Oh, okay, I'm gonna just like say you guys are being ridiculous saying it's like PS2 graphics. No, like, to me, it looks, to me it looks PS2. Yeah, to like me it looks that. like late PS2. I, absolutely I, does. I, Look at the grass. Look at dude, the detail I, of the no, trees no, and everything. It's I'm so... PS2 games because I'm like, am I wrong about this? I sent you. Well, I I, did you look you. at the pics I sent you yeah, yesterday? I yeah. will give you that. You could probably mount an argument that it is in between a PS2 and a PS3 game. I'll give you that. That's why I said late PS2. No, not even late PS2. Yeah, late PS2. I've been looking no, late I'm PS2 late games. PS2. No way, man. Absolutely like that, late you PS2. You guys are getting ridiculous now. Like that. Nah, nah. nah late going PS2. Too far. Nah, I'm, so nah. I'm, I'm sticking. Yeah, I'm, I'm sticking I'm, with it. I'm sticking with it. Sticking to my guns. I, late I PS2. like the graphics. I think it looks cool. I, like, uh, maybe I'm nuts. Like, I think it looks... Nah. Late it's a PS2. Game. It's not running at 60 frames per Look second. at the foliage, man. Look at the grass. If this was not a Pokemon game, if this was not a Pokemon game, people would just be like, this is one of the worst looking games we've ever yes. seen like, <laughs> for, <laughs> the Switch. Are, for the Switch. That for absolutely the Switch. is. Those are my thoughts crazy. as well. It is for one the of the, sh- the worst looking games for the Switch. Absolutely. Uh, I don't know. It looks right? like, a, it looks like an, it, I, I, it's exactly the thoughts I had. If this was not a Pokemon game, it's some brand new IP or something, people would be laughing about it. <laughs> Okay, and, well, we just have a different view on it. I think it looks cool. I like it. I like the way it looks and shaping that, up. That's so. fine. I don't want to take away from the ga- fact that I love that this game exists. And I love, same, I love same, that yeah. It's there. I just hope they improve yeah, it. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's fascinating. I think this game is, like, very divisive. I think, like, already, <laughs> Clearly. you know, people are like, I've heard other people, because, I, 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 you know, I listen to a lot of different, you know, people. I've got my own views. When I watched it, I thought, wow, this looks really cool. Like, it's a trailer. It's obviously going to improve and everything like that. Like, just like with what they did with Sword and Shield. But mm. it's fascinating to see, yeah, people are really skewing on this. Some are like, this is trash. This is like a PS1 game. Or other people are like, wow, it looks beautiful. They must be running it on, like, the Switch Pro. So it's like, it's fascinating to me how people are landing on this game so differently. Uh, look, it has to be a bit towards something to do with Pokemon in terms of, you know, it's throwing people off one way or the other. I think it looks cool. I'm interested in it. Yeah, I would want to see it closer. And I will say one thing about Pokemon games that I will not buy this until I get reviews on it and, you know, hear different people's opinion on this game before I buy it. And and I, I know... Think- oh, sorry. I know it's all also going to look way better if you're playing it on handheld in motion and stuff like that. So I don't want to discredit that. I know Potentially. on the Switch it will look nicer than watching trailer on youtube yeah and look like i keep going back to it but they're not trying to bait and switch people you know like they are going this is what the game currently looks like and it's running on the switch like they could have easily ran it on a pc and make it 60 frames per per second but they're not going to hit that on the switch no way so but i i like you hope that it runs at a solid 30 if you can get a lock 30 and and improve (laughs) some stuff Good luck with that. I'll be into that. So good luck with that. Given that it was running at like five and some scenes. So it's it's interesting for me. I actually thought the Pokemon Presents uh, presentation out of the direct, the state of play, and then this one. I thought it was the best one out of out of the three that I watched. Okay. I don't think you guys would probably share that view. No, I think it was good. It was a nice short suite with some big hitters. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah and, and look, it, and, it didn't and have again, fluff. it didn't have fluff. It didn't. And 
again, I appreciate that they showed what they have, and I think they they probably learned from Cyberpunk. Don't show crap that doesn't exist or that yeah, is hyperinflated, which I super appreciate. And I really, really appreciate that they're taking the Pokemon game into a different direction, like a proper, truly open world. And I know a lot of people have been asking about that. Even I myself as, as someone who used to enjoy the Pokemon games back in the day, but then I felt like everything was just the same rehash of it, so I'd still playing them always wanted an open world pokemon game but from what i've seen so far unfortunately this is not it yeah so yeah. we'll see how it goes all right well let's get into a final bit of news and power through it because i'm really keen to get into half-life alex and portal 2 uh so our next piece of news and this is right into my hitting zone is uh, around analog pocket uh, and just analog in general so analog are a pretty cryptic company i really like them i love their products i've got multiple products from them uh, I think they always make very high quality products. They're very much like the hi-fi for vintage gaming. And they had a great support post where they actually went through, uh, you know, like some of their approaches to sales because they got it copped a lot of slack last year. And honestly, I think kind of unfairly to, to a large degree, they've always been very clear that they're very small and they're making things in small batches and I think the success of the pocket kind of caught them a little bit off guard and probably at a point in time where they couldn't really change their plans. Like, I think people don't realize if you make a physical device these days, you're not making it in your home country. You're going to make it in China, India, Vietnam, something like that. Hmm. If you're an American-based company, that means you're flying over there, you're getting visas, you're doing stuff, you're working with the factory owners, different language, all these kind of things. It delays things. It just, that's the way it is these days. Um, but you easy. get scale and it's you know, cheaper and you kind of have to do it like that if you're going to hit price points they're trying to hit. And that means they would have said, okay, we're going to make 20,000 units or whatever it is. And maybe 100,000 units wanted to be sold, right? So like, you know, it's a mismatch. But at the point where they kind of realized the popularity, I don't think they could have done anything about it. Um, they did post, and I think it's so good that they are putting a whole bunch of initiatives together to help prevent you know, things like bots. So they are genuinely doing more to prevent bots and, you know, people having those type of behaviors than Microsoft and Sony are doing on the sales of PS5 and Xbox Series X. So they're going to do bot detection. So when they do release products going forward, you do need to do like a capture and all these kind of things. And there's lots of simple things you can do to limit the amount of bot usage that has happened in the past for these limited products. And the other thing I was really happy about is they were much clearer, even though everything they said was very clear to me from the start, but I think now they're a lot clearer about, you know, what limited means versus just what their regular products mean. So I think Swinney's going to be really happy about this, that they also gave clarity on some of the products that do exist and what's going to happen. So currently all of their products are out of sale right now. Like everything's sold out. Wow. They have been clear that the Super NT is not a limited yes. product. They're yes. going to keep on trying to make it. Yes. And the, <laughs> the next, next batch of orders are going to be in March, April. Ooh. Can you so, keep us informed? Yeah. I, I have like a little bot that monitors their site. So uh, hopefully it doesn't get detected. And, and it but, is not used for purchasing. Just No, no, I don't scalp it. I just don't want to miss like, out. Hello. Yeah. I use bots just so I can buy my own individual copy. <laughs> um, but that's how crazy they are so yeah Swinny, you're going to be happy about it's that a Super NT so again Super NT is the Super Nintendo FPGA clone mm-hmm. uh, the Mega SG and the DAC are going to be for sale 
soon after the Super NT. So I'd probably say, you know, that June, July kind of period. Um, and then the analog pocket as well uh, will go on sale again multiple times this year. Uh, they haven't been clear yet when, but I would say it's probably mid-year that it will come up on sale again. And I think that's why they're putting a lot of these things in place, given that the analog pocket sold out in about eight minutes. And that's nuts. Really, people even who were on the 30, site 80. couldn't buy it. Like, absolutely couldn't buy it. And, you know, I purchased one. Uh, well, I purchased two, but one for me and one for my wife um, and the link cable. But, you know, like, even with me, I get it. It's crazy. Like, they're going on sale now for like $1,000. It's insane. Like, it's so so hard to get your hands on these By things. By the way, so, Mike, have you seen what these things look like? The analog yeah. pocket? I have, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I actually, I at one point, sh- I wanted one as well, yeah. I wasn't sure because I was just, I thought you'd really appreciate the design and what they No, I absolutely would, stuff. yeah. I think they're they're amazing. And I think if they do come come on sale again, please let me know if you guys yeah, will. see I it. Will. And I think I will definitely the get one. The biggest issue, and they didn't address this and it annoys me, is the shipping to Australia is just ridiculous. Someone it's actually US asked in the uh, comments how much the shipping was when I bought it. It was 90 US dollars to ship to Australia. Wow. Look, you know what? I'm I'm not surprised. I've bought a whole lot of stuff, um, and it shipping's insane from the US. Plus, small. But most things are like if they do it through Amazon or stuff like that. It's way cheaper. But um, I and you know I even thought okay maybe if I buy multiple and then you guys want to buy it and stuff, it's going to be cheaper. Nah, it doesn't work like that. It's crazy. Really, they actually start to increase. So it's like goes from what? like ninety to two hundred. What? Yeah, <laughs> it's like discourages you it, from doing it, that. I think it's because they probably use some sort of API that goes to they whatever, and it's, uh, it's not DHL very or whatever, yeah, and it's do. not smart at all. They it do. just they goes, do. this is the weight, this is the size, this yeah. is to Australia as a general, it's 90 bucks. It's ridiculous. So I, I'm, yeah. I'm hyped about this. I'll let you guys know when they go up on sale. Use uh, it. I yep. am very much looking into getting a mister. So uh, yeah, it's interesting. I might... I don't know what I'm going to do with my Super NT. I know that you want one, Sweeney, but they're going to go on sale soon. Um, and then the one thing that I'd speculate about is, because later in the year in October, it's Analog Day, where every year they've been announcing products on that day. I think it's October 16th, but don't quote me on that. That would be really scary if I get if that's actually the right day. All right, I've got it. Uh, stop me if I've made this joke before. Analog what? Virtual Boy. <laughs> you haven't made that joke before I, I do think that they'll do a plastic version of the NES so they've had the NT Mini um, but that's a much more premium product that was made of uh, aluminium or aluminium as they say in the States uh, and a very high very very high end product uh, not not like their Super NT or Mega SG I think they'll probably do an NES version of that um, to complement the suite of, of uh, systems that they have available so nah, really really cool I love analog I think they're really cool Come at nice. me if you want. That's fine. I'll take it on. All right. Let's uh, keep this moving. So, Bargain Bin, my favorite segment of every week. Uh-huh. Epic Game Store, Sun, Sunless Sea is available for free. Go and get it. Uh, nothing really to call out on the Switch, just because a lot of the sales are expiring as we're publishing this episode. But PlayStation is a big one. So, the Stay at Home initiative for March. So, by the time you're watching this, you should be able to get Ratchet and Clank for free. Regardless of if you if you have PS Plus or not, if you do have PS Plus, you can get Final Fantasy VII Remake for free. Now, this version is the PS4 version. It will not upgrade to the PS5 version. You will need to purchase that separately. Uh, so that does mean that you will be capped at 30, essentially. 
Three guys uh, just talked about that on a podcast not that long ago. <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, Remnant from the Ashes. Uh, I don't know how to say this. Maquette? Well, Remnant from the Ashes, by the way, please get it. Fantastic game. I know that's a good game, but I don't know how to say the next one. How do you say that? Maquette? Maquette. No, but there's no R. Maquette. No, Maquette. Okay. And then Five Point VR. And then Xbox. I always hand over to the Xbox Shield Swinney. Yeah, so they announced Games of Gold, but I'm not going to cover it. Honestly, crap. <laughs> it's just like, look, the, not every game is crap, but like when you take it as a package, honestly, like I don't even want to give them the, the time of day. Um, but there was an announcement um, that Star mm. Wars Squadrons is joining EA Play and Game Pass in March. Ooh, um, awesome. Also, just a quick PSA uh, that Defiance 2050, which was a... The original Defiance was an Xbox 360 PS3 game, and then they re-released it. It's like an MMO. I've never played it, but um, they're shutting the servers down mm. on the 29th of April. Ah, bummer. And just with Xbox Gold, I mean, PS Plus has been smashing Xbox with Gold out of the water recently. Mm. Like, it's been embarrassing. Like, they've had Control Ultimate Edition on PS Plus uh, and then why, just trash on Xbox Why get Final Fantasy VII Remake when you can get Vicious Attack Llama Apocalypse? <laughs> Oh man, I know what I'd be getting, and I'm just gonna do. It would actually be Vicious Attack Llama because I already have Final Fantasy VII, but (laughs) you know. (laughs) But I'm just gonna do my weekly complaint about EA Play and Game Pass on PC. It's still not available. They said it was going to be available in December last year. It's annoying. I'm annoyed. Uh, I want to play Jedi Fallen Order, and now Squadrons is on there as well. I definitely want to play Squadrons. So definitely get Jedi Fallen Order. No, you know what? You should. I reckon. Well, not that it makes a difference. I reckon you should buy Jedi Fallen Order to send a clear message to EA that we want more single-player games. By the way, I think they already got that message. I'm only one person. We spoke about it just before. (laughs) All right, let's get into our special feature this week. Half-Life Alex. (sighs) And some VR impressions from me, I guess, because playing more VR stuff for the first time. But yeah, Half-Life Alex. So, place between the events of the groundbreaking games Half-Life and Half-Life 2. Does Half-Life Alex live up to the series' incredibly lofty yes. reputation? Uh, released last year in 2020 after four years of development, uh, a very small team for a AAA game, relatively 80 people, uh, as Valve has always had very small teams. And some of the folks from Firewatch, uh, after they bought that studio, developed this game. Is it, uh, is it Campo Santo? Yes, that's right. Yeah, okay, yeah. Nice. But they're just like Valve now. Yeah. Uh, and and really, like, the, the sort of ambition of Half-Life Alex is to be a VR game, first-person shooter, that takes full advantage uh, and is very native VR. So how do you have experiences in VR that can't be replicated via any other games? And, and I mean, first off the bat, and then I'll hand over to you, Mike, like, this game, I think it's nuts when I see now, now playing the game, when people are trying to mod it so they can play it without VR, it's to me, completely missing the point of the yeah. game. Yeah. <laughs> and the reason why I wanted to cover this, even though I probably won't do a, I don't think we'll do a review on it down the track, but just like impressions and, you know, I don't think the game's going to drop in quality or anything like that. I know some of the puzzles get frustrating for people, but it really triggered me when you actually said something in our chat, like our offline chats, Winnie, around that feeling you had when you played Ocarina of Time for the first time and games like that. And for me... Super Mario Brothers 3, Doom, Ocarina of Time, and maybe this game. They're like yeah. the four games for me. 
Yeah, like this um, game. Um, yeah. When I played this game and started like getting into it, and I've played maybe a quarter of the game, this game was like I was like I had a smile on my face, man. I was like, <laughs> holy shit, this game is like incredible. It's not perfect, but I'd give it a ten out of ten straight away. Yeah, same. It's just so phenomenal, man. Like it's you. You have to experience this game. Like this is. This is just purely a game that, you you know, if you're a gamer and you play games, you have to play this game at some stage. It's yep. insane what they've done with this. It's a landmark game. And to me, I it really actually does put the Game Awards in a massively negative light to me. How this game, out of the six games, could not be considered Game of the Year yeah. huh. is is insane. It doesn't it's make any same. sense. It make- like, I understand it if you're a small outlet, you don't have VR, you're blah, 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 but... If you're trying to represent the games industry, I, it's just insane that this game is not one of the six. Like, you can never mount an argument in my mind that this game is less worthy than Doom Eternal. Just picking a game. No, nah, totally not. I think it's Reach Reach is the only thing I can think of why it wouldn't. Because but not everyone has a way. VR headset. But I way. agree, it shouldn't be the way. To me, this was the most revolutionary game experience I've, I've played in a long, long time. Yeah. I think the way you equated it to what it felt like t- the first time I played Doom is exactly this. It's it's a whole new different thing. I, I, I actually honestly don't even have words yeah. to describe how amazing that experience was. Um, the only difference is I didn't have a smile on my face playing it because I was too freaking scared. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was the opposite of a smile. No, no, just kidding. I actually did have a smile on my face as well. Um, it, it, it's just, it's mind blowing. And it's the first VR experience I've had that didn't actually feel anywhere near like a tech demo. It actually yeah, felt yeah. like a proper game, a proper title that, that to me feels like it's, it's, it's the ushering in of a whole new era of gaming. It's, it's the gateway, the proper first gateway into a whole new VR experience that I think we'll get as gamers. It's incredible. And I, I don't know how you want to go about this, but so many so many elements about it are just so cool. So everything from the tactile feel of what you do. So, you know, we've seen this before. I think a lot of people have seen it, if, even if they haven't played the game. At the very, very start of the game, you can pick up a marker and you can draw on... Yeah, yeah, I did on, that. I did that for ages. Yeah, I yeah. spent, you know, like probably 20 minutes plus just sitting there doodling, rubbing it off, doodling, rubbing it off. Um, and just that experience was amazing. And then little things like I picked up a box of matches with my left hand and I, I had my gun in my right hand and I balanced the box of matches on the gun <laughs> and it stayed there until I tipped it over. Yeah. And then I tried the same thing. I picked it up and I flung it up in the air and the box of matches went flying into the air and then dropped to the ground. That is insane. The fact that you, you can do that is something you cannot experience with almost any other game it just blew me away um and what what else blew me away is, is the little details i picked up a a, a graphics card and it was really cool because obviously the whole the whole um sort of world in half-life is set in what i would say is like a 2000s era eastern europe kind of thing so everything's stuck in that that time where you have the old crt monitors but with cool new technology intertwined um and I remember I picked up a graphics card and I was just moving it around in my hand. And the way it reflected light of the metal in the room that I was in looked photorealistic. It was the first thing I went- you mean a graphics card or do you mean like a disc? No, it was an actual graphics card. Oh, so it was like I found a box in the game. I found yeah. a box of just graphics cards 
Um, okay. And I picked one. It had the, like the VGA output on it oh, in blue okay. or the equivalent of a VGA. I think it actually kind of was a VGA. Um, and, and just the way the, the metal and the plastic surfaces. And that happened again when I picked up a clipboard and I was facing, uh, I was next to a monitor and it would reflect the materials so accurately and it had a bit of sticky tape and a couple of parts on the back of the clipboard. And just the way the materials reflected was insane. I mean, it's not, you know, super photorealistic as the whole game, but little elements like that were just the immersion in this game is second to none. Everyone, if you can get your hands on a, on a, on a VR headset, if you can borrow it from someone, you need to experience this. It's insane. And we, we spoke about it earlier, so with PSVR 2, and I'm really excited about PSVR 2, and I hope and pray, and Valve has done it in the past. The problem is they don't have any economic incentive to do it, but I really hope and pray that they re-release this game on PS, like PlayStation, oh, as part so of cool. like a launch for PSVR 2. Because this game, I just fear that it's just not going to be played by people. And I, I feel like this game is going to go down as just like an absolute cult classic. Oh, yeah. That not necessarily was reviewed badly, but it's just an availability thing. If I, if I was Sony and I'm like, you know, planning out the launch of the next PSVR, like that is like my number one priority. Oh, honestly. same. Yep. Like having known, because I think they paid 2 to $3 million to get... Uh, Resident Evil 7 to be an exclusive. I honestly think this game has such an impact that it would probably economically make sense for them to go, Valve, here's $10 million to make this mm. a console exclusive for for PSVR. Because I think this game, you know, if it went on something like PSVR, which is the market leader for VR, people hate hearing that, but it's true. And you can't, you know, argue with facts with that. It It would change people's mind a bit. But I think this is where we differ, Mike. I still view, and people are going to come at me, whatever. I feel VR is a gimmick. VR is, to me, more gimmicky than motion controls is. Okay. Like, for me, VR is a pain in the ass to set up. It's not seamless. Even with the Quest, you're, like, drawing out, you know, where your play area is. There's just yeah, we'll talk so about that many in a things oh, yeah, There's a do. lot of things to do. There's funny things that break immersion. So one thing that happened, and I was saying that yesterday I got to play this for ages, that... My dogs went nuts and I think someone was at the door or, you know, maybe someone's trying to break into my house. And I was kind of like <laughs> laughing to think that maybe if you're like invading my house to rob it and then yeah. you open the door and there's some dude like with a, a headset on. <laughs> and I, was just like, I was thinking it'd be so funny if I got like bashed or got into a fight. Hilarious. And I'm in a VR unit. Man, like, I was, I, I had the same problem. I was sitting there and it, Totally immersed in the game. And yeah. all of a sudden, my girlfriend walks past and just pulls my pants down, underwear included. <laughs> <laughs> and she just left me like that. Oh, my God. <laughs> you, you've met someone who has your exact same sense of humor. I did. I'm very lucky. Um, but, yeah, like, look, and, and I do not want that to take away from this. I, I, The way I would equate it is I really feel like, you know, some of the great, like Daytona USA in the arcades. I love that game so much. It's very popular in Australia, more so than anywhere else in the world. Not sure why, but... Like, that is a game you have to play at the arcade. You have to have the feel of the arcade. You have to have people watching you, putting pressure on you from seeing you actually, you know, play in the game. And then, you know, the really great setups that you've had in Australia, sometimes you have like eight, you know, cars that are all linked Uh together. Like, that is something you just can't replicate, like, at home. And I look at it kind of like this, where VR is, to me, very gimmicky. Yeah, but... but, I wouldn't play it all the time, but (laughs) it's such an experience and... You know, I don't say this lightly. For me, 
you know, I can't even think of a year. I'd really struggle actually. Like if this was game of some other year, 2011, if this game was in 2011, I would say this game a year. Oh yeah. Right. And if this came out in the same year as breath of the wild, I'd say this is game of the year. Yeah. And that's where for me, and I, you know, just context for people who don't know, like I love breath of the wild collected all the Korok seeds, which is nuts. Like I love that game with such a passion and this game is just like, wow, it blew me away so much. Like, it was, like, genuinely a new experience. But, uh, but it's anything. a whole new experience. But it what is. about Breath of the Wild's VR features? <laughs> I don't know if it'd be the same. I think, I think a first person is what, uh, what, what makes this no, what but, it is. It's like, the immersion in it. If you don't know, Breath of the Wild got VR Labo mode. Yeah, you can play, oh, you can play know, all Breath know that. of the Wild wow, in VR. Wow, that's pretty cool. Okay. You can actually play the whole game in VR. Can you play the whole thing? <laughs> yeah, you can. Yeah. Can I just quickly... If you want to get so sick, because... That's the bit that I want to touch on just quickly, Mike, that I had so much nausea because I did play it for like an hour or two. I had so much nausea after this. I didn't like throw up or I wasn't like dizzy or anything, but I just felt off for all of yesterday, like after playing this. fascinating. And I've played VR a bit recently. And you you don't have like the, sorry, you don't have the, because just to quickly touch on that, uh, I have full controls unlocked, so I use the left stick to nah, move around, and I have I the right stick to to kind of you know move my body, so to speak. Which which I think is even worse when it comes it to is. that's what they say. Well, but I had no problems with it. Well. I actually had. Do you stand up or where are you sitting? No, now? I stand up. I stand up. Yeah, same. same. I stood up. Like if you sit down, then you, you it makes it way worse. I think. Yeah. But standing up, I had no problems with that. There were a couple of small instances where I'm like, whoa, that's a bit trippy. But how long but, are you playing it for? Look, I only probably play about thirty to forty five minutes. That's what I did session. the first time. So yeah. I played it for thirty minutes the first time, and I never feel sick when I'm playing the games. And afterwards, I was afterwards. Like, <laughs> it was like five minutes after playing it for 30 minutes. Five minutes, I felt a bit off. It was like almost like, whoa, I'm getting back into the real world. And I was <laughs> fine. But then yesterday, I think it's because I played it just way too long. Mm. Like it was like an hour and a half or two hours or something. And I was like, whoa, I feel like off. Like not quite like a hangover or something like that. Just, you know, it just, you know, when you're not right. And yeah, I just yeah, was like, yeah. whoa, I don't feel right right now. Like I feel wow. very funny. Um, uh, God, I've got it. a I've got a very important question. Yes, you know you know that's always going to be super important when I say that. Oh, of course, yeah. Um, how does this experience and Half Life Alex compare to the VR machines at Fun City in Sunshine? <laughs> Obviously, you know, you know I keep thinking that. about that. That's so funny. <laughs> you said that. Like I was thinking about that when I was playing VR and just thinking about VR in general. The investment that that poor place put into these old '90s VR machines that just sat there and no one used them, and you just look at it as we're playing pool and just Damn. thinking, man, they lost. Oh, they would have lost so Such a dumb idea. Yeah. It was <laughs> not the right time to do that's it. That's when people were suffering. So, yeah, there's this, uh, it's like a whole entertainment center, right? Because there's like lots of different things there go karting and a bar and all that kind of mm. stuff. But Sweeney pool, and I would play everything. pool religiously, uh, like billiards or whatever you call it, other places in the world. But, um, we also would play like Led Zeppelin Stairway to Heaven <laughs> and pay for it to go on loop like 20 times or 15 times. <laughs> And then, like, three or four times in, people were starting to lose it. Like, what the <laughs> F? Like, someone's playing this song again? What the f- Who did this? And we're, like, trying to, like, keep it straight because we're like, holy shit, we're going to get bashed or something. Because there's a lot of interesting characters where we grew up. But a huge part of the floor space was taken up by this VR game that I think I saw one person play ever. 
How many times did you see people play it, Swinny? I saw uh, it once. I, I think say. I saw it once, but yeah, yeah like, it must have been with you because yeah. it had Damn. it had. I think it had two units, or was it one? Yeah, it's two units, two units, but in this huge massive, amount of space, like yeah. room, separate room with a glass. It's so expensive, thing. right? Oh my god. It was like, I don't know, 25 bucks or something like that. It was just crazy. Wow. And the graphics were horrendous. By today's like, standards. Even for those standards. No, no, no. Even back then, it was like huh. horrible. Yeah, they, <laughs> right? were, like, they were like worse than N64 graphics. Yeah, way worse. Wow. <laughs> it was crazy. So, so, so this brings me to a point I wanted to make this entire time. So yeah, yeah. you say that it's a gimmick. I say you're saying the equivalent of people back in the day saying Pong is a gimmick. What we're experiencing right now, especially with games like Half-Life Alex, is the absolute start of the whole VR revolution. Okay, let me... Let it's me, going let me to art- become insane one day. Let me articulate it, right? VR, in its current format, which is putting a display in front of my eyes, is a gimmick. And it's never going to be anything bigger, right? I'll go on the record. I'm more okay, go on the that. record. Go on the record. You sound exactly like the people that probably dissed Pong back in the sure, day. Sure, but I mean, if you think about the form of Pong, having a controller where you control something on a screen, that became successful in that format, right? What? You're saying that VR, VR won't become successful not? in the format of having Correct. a headset on your head. Now, okay. in the idea that they are able to somehow hack or tap into your visual cortex so then it's just like a little diode or something that you stick to the side of your head and the visual acuity is like mm-hmm. as, similar to the real world, right? Mm-hmm. If they did something like that, I 100% think that people would get addicted to it and like okay. disappear from the real world. Okay. I, I'm, I'm keen to see what happens in 10 years. The form... Well, the world we, proves you wrong. Okay, in just context, we've known each other for like 20-something years. Yeah. Every five years, you're like, VR is going to be the biggest five thing, biggest thing in five years' time. Hmm. And every five years, you're like, I'll oh, give it another 10 years. It keeps on expanding <laughs> the time for when it's going to take Yeah, off. I don't remember what my prediction was last time and when it was. I it was just like think... 10 years ago. You said if five years yeah, time, look, it's going to be massive. I-, I couldn't predict certain things that would hold it back, like COVID, sure. as an example. I use that <laughs> like as an COVID. excuse. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but I do... Mike is every game developer ever. But I do, I, yeah, I do, I do, I do agree with you. I think there are again certain roadblocks that make it much less accessible than mm. you know picking up a controller and just using a simple controller. But at the same time, I think it's still in its infancy. It still has a ton of improvements, even in the way it's it's structured and presented at the moment. That yes, are a barrier, and I'm talking about the wires. I'm talking about the resolution. I'm talking about a whole bunch of things that once that gets sorted out. Everything becomes wireless. It's just a, you plump it on your head. It's all self-contained. You don't even need to put a cable or install something on your PC or go through that headache, which I spent an hour trying to get it just oh set up. God, Once you resolve all that. of That's that, pain in the ass. which you will resolve all of that, sure. I think it's going to be the same as if you look at the evolution of a mobile phone. When oh, you know, No, no, no. Don't say that because the mobile no, I think phone may be the most popular product of all time. That's That's getting silly. No, no, it's getting, no, no, sorry, sorry, I'm not saying, no, 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 hang on, hang on, don't get me wrong, I don't think it's going to be as popular as a mobile phone, I'm saying it's going to be the same way a device like the mobile phone evolved from this Mm. archaic three colors monochrome with buttons and a tiny little screen that size to, holy moly, I can, you know, play the latest AAA titles on it kind of device. Yeah. I think it's the same as VR. What we're seeing now is the infancy, it's the... It's still super early on in the life of VR. 
that I think there's massive room for improvements and innovation in that space. And I think it will happen. Well, I agree with you there. I, I think it's you're at stage zero with VR, right? Well, um, stage stage even, one, let's nah, say. Stage I think, one. But, well, I think it's stage one. I think okay, it's well, like the, I think it's the equivalent, honestly, I think it's the equivalent of, of the gaming industry's NES era, probably. Yeah. So to me, to me, PS sorry, PSVR. The fact that that exists, then we're at stage one because it's sure it's at least like, reached that level. Look, yeah. whatever it's it, Nessie era for I'm me. I'm just being cute with saying stage zero. Look, like for me, like I said, in its current format, which is a, a display in front of my eyes, it will never take off. It will never become anything other than a tiny little niche, like it is right now, which is you know not even five percent of gamers use VR consistently and play VR, right? Uh, I love that Valve has made this game. So just getting back to Alex, like yeah. <laughs> with that context, you know, I'm not a big lover of VR. Like I think it's amazing tech, but 95% of the people that I know that love VR don't play VR. You included Mike, right? So it's like, because of, of the barriers, but that's what I said. The barriers with the form, well, that's what I mean. But... I don't think it necessarily is. If, if, if mm. the wires are gone, if the headset is standalone, you have that with a quest. Yeah. But, Alex doesn't exist on the Quest. A lot of the no, games no, no, on the Quest... you can connect to the Quest wirelessly. They they do, but it's it's it, they haven't ironed out all the issues. It's, oh, you need no, no, really no, good Wi-Fi. You, some, it yeah, doesn't... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've if read get, about it. I was going to do it, and then I, I looked it up. I read about it, and I'm like, well, I don't really have the right sure, environment sure, to do it properly. So sure. I'm like, forget about it. Try it again in five years. Um, <laughs> I, I just think there's a lot of barriers that, that are preventing people from being able to do that. Now, does that mean that I will, you know, exclusively go into VR or no, it absolutely doesn't. But I think once the catalog of games increases and once they're available either wirelessly or without having to download separately with my PC, like everything's integrated in the headset and it's powerful enough to, you know, power games like Alex in the headset itself. Then I think it's going to start becoming, at least for me, a bit of a, ooh, okay, well, I think I will dedicate a lot more percentage of my time to gaming mm. in, in VR games um, than, than I would to, P, to PC. And yeah, at the moment, absolutely. It's like 95 to 5 maybe. Um, but I could see myself, you know, five years down the track if some of those things have, have, have improved or it's, you know, almost 50-50. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm keen to move away from just the VR chat in general. Like, yeah. just, like final thoughts on Alex. Like I'll go first and then hand over to you, but yeah, you know, I and Swinney, like you're like the guinea pig because you haven't played much VR or definitely not Alex. I've but, never used VR in my life. Well, there you go. Yeah, yeah. like I, I want to. I, I want to try. It's not immersion not isn't even the right word, right? Because like people talk about immersive gameplay, immersive games, Last of Us stuff like that. I feel like it. You can't even use that word compared to using it in the context of a game like Half Life Alex. Like for me, the level of feeling of like. And the amount of aha moments I had where I was like, wait a second, like, I got to treat like this is like the real world. Like, I got to grab this crate and move it in front of the window and do this stuff. And I don't want to give spoilers, but, you know, like stuff where I'm like, fuck, I've got to actually like treat this like, like I'm playing in the real world, like real life. And it's like, you know, solving it through real means rather than like, oh, this is a game. Like, it actually started to feel like less of a game than an experience and something yeah. different, right? Like, and the, I, I think that's the key point I just want to land. Like, this is, you have to play this game. Like, you know, if you're a gamer and you're into games, just try to find a way. Like, I would love if, yeah, VR units are more freely accessible from like a rental point of view. Like, it would have been awesome back in the 90s. I mean, pretty nasty in some ways, but 
you know, it's just such a cool game. It's so worthwhile playing. I really hope it comes to PSVR 2. I think that would be an amazing launch for Mm -hmm. PSVR 2 if they had... Half-Life Alex as a bundle. Like, I must, I must admit, I'll probably just grab it again. Yeah, um, I would. I absolutely cool. would and too. Yeah. For me, like, I, you know, I'm very tight when it comes to games and buying games and sales and all that kind of stuff. And I think I bought this even though it was on sale for like, I don't know, 60, 70 Australian dollars. It is like worth every dollar from an experience point of view. It is so cool. It's just amazing. So yeah, Mike, like final thoughts oh, on Half-Life Alex? Absolutely echoes those thoughts. Um, looking back at at my life and, and there's this interesting thing about human psychology. <laughs> well, that, that brought it down. <laughs> well, no, it final does. It did, well, it did actually my, my final thoughts. Let me, let me tell you about the existential <laughs> yeah, crisis I'm currently going through. So if you look at the, the interesting thing about human psychology is that you can only experience a certain thing once. You only have one <laughs> chance at experiencing a certain thing and seeing it that way <laughs> because every single other experience beyond that point with that thing is not going to be the same. And I think that if I look back at Doom, when I first experienced Doom, it was like that. It's like, whoa, this is this is different. It's a whole new different experience that I remember having as a kid. If I look back at, you know, the first time I had sex, totally different experience. <laughs> like you can't, it, it, it was new. And after that, it's just an iteration of it, but it's not the same thing. And I think Alex was the same to me. So yes, maybe I am equating Alex to the first time I had sex. It's 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 a whole new experience that I did not feel with any other game in recent memory. And mm. if you can get your hands on a on on a VR headset, if you can borrow one from a friend, I borrowed mine currently. You are borrowing yours. Totally mm, worth true. it. Yeah. Uh, when I get my my own one, hopefully it'll arrive soon. You can borrow mine as well, Swinney. You have to experience you, this thing. You heard it here first. Half Life Alex better than sex. Yes. <laughs> dead, dead serious question, Mike. Did you think playing Half Life Alex was better than the first time you lost your virginity? Well, not you know, like when you lost your virginity. Look, without getting into time. too many details, it wasn't the just yes or no, yes or no. Yes, it was better because okay. it wasn't the it wasn't the best experience. Okay. This, this, expi- this explains yeah, yeah, the this explains yeah. the pants down VR now. Well, it actually, I can see that I can see the link to that as well. Yeah, that was a full immersive. Maybe that was that was a very immersive experience. I'm like, wow, that head crab is really doing its thing. Uh, But oh man, (laughs) all jokes aside, it is absolutely a must thing to experience. It's a masterpiece. Somehow get your hands on it. It's a masterpiece. It is. It's you know, if if you know, I, I really like the Criterion Collection. So that's a collection of. You know, very remarkable movies. It doesn't always have to be the greatest movies, uh, but just meaningful movies, not trash. Hmm. Uh, and I think if they started a Criterion Collection for games, this game could definitely be the first one. Like, that's kind of where I rate it. It's just such a landmark masterpiece game, 10 out of 10. It's really, you know, hey, put this in the 10 out of 10 category and, and use it as a definition of what that should mean. Yes. As, as a 10 out of 10. So. And a lot of people might hate me when I say this, but to me personally, this is Half-Life 3. I, yeah, you know, I'm on the same track as you, dude. Like, if they called it Half-Life 3, I know that it doesn't make sense from a timing. Well, no. that's why people want Half-Life 3. <laughs> Half-Life yeah. 0.5? But if no, this was two, Half-Life 1. 5, 3 1. and it was like a continuation and they just... I felt like they kind of chickened out on doing that. But if they did, I would have said that's perfect. Like, and, huh. you know, people would have hated it, blah, blah, blah. I don't care. 
it's amazing. It's such an amazing game. Yeah, it's not a side thing. It's not like a DLC. It's not a little mini game that was an offshoot on a mobile phone or something to to add to the story. It's its own proper standalone Half Life game that yeah. is is mind blowing. Yeah, and then going back to the opener and the question, like, does it live up to the legacy of the series? You know, in my in our new editorial. Uh, policies fuck yeah it does <laughs> it does live up to it and it's like just as good as those games <laughs> all right well, we need to keep it onto uh the valve uh fanboy podcast as we're gonna also cover portal 2 so portal 2 uh this is more like a reflection and for me i think i very much did not argue well of why portal 2 should have been in the top six Game of some other year, 2011. I think I should have attached the argument around we had too many RPGs in the top six and tried to wedge this one in. Uh, this game, as I said, was released in 2011. Uh, we wanted to just have some time, given that it won't be covered in the top six and won't be a part of the you know chance of being our official game of some other year, 2011. Uh, it came out in April 2011 on the PC, and then it also came out on PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360. Uh, amazingly, is one of the, like, if you go backwards in terms of Valve games that have been released, it's, what, the second or third last release from Valve, like, which is kind of nuts given it's 2011. Um, and, yeah, this game, I only actually played it recently and absolutely adore this game and love this game and feel like, personally, everything that Portal did, it exceeds it and does it differently and does it better in, in like a much bigger way. And then playing even, you know, maybe half of the co-op campaign, it's just incredible, like what they've pulled together for this game. And it's just so clever and it's just such a must-play game for me. Um, Swinny, like we haven't heard from you for a while. <laughs> uh, Portal 2, like what are your thoughts? So, what, What's the reflection that you have? For, first of all, I just want to say this, you might as well call this segment the Intergot Sore Loser segment. You know <laughs> what happened? But no, no. In saying that, it's like we're like planning out the weeks that we're going to talk about the nominees for the oh, games yes. of other year. He's like, I just want to talk about Portal Two. I just want to so like this is essentially you could call this the runner-up, um, uh, or I guess special consideration game seven, game of game some seven, other year. Yeah. So, uh, look, Portal Two is an amazing game. Um, I don't think. I need to make that argument. Um, as for why I didn't make the list, well, we've got a whole segment about that, so go and check that out. Um, yeah, it's and and I don't want to jump in, but it's like it's just that I probably had this ranked as number two for me. Wow! So like that's kind of where I was like a bit pissed off. I was like, oh my god, this is like my <laughs> maybe number one, but definitely number two game, and then it's not even in the list. Yeah, it's look, Portal Two is one of the best puzzle games ever made, but it's so much more than a puzzle game. Um, what they did with the story in the single player. Like, the first Portal had a great little self-contained story. Obviously, you know, some great humour, great writing, voice acting, but they really, really took that uh, Aperture uh, Laboratories or whatever you say, Aperture Science, with the whole Cave Johnson backstory. Yeah. What they do, and we're not going to spoil it, but what they do with the characters, um, you know, the big new character and central character is Wheatley and they voiced by the amazing Stephen Merchant. Um, oh, he, and he was so good. He's, so, he's good. so good. And it's like from a stereo. So yeah, they've taken what could have just been an easy win in terms of, oh, let's just make more portal. Um, and they crafted this fantastic narrative about it, but 
looking into the history portal too, I don't know if anyone, everyone knows this, but apparently they were actually, when they were planning out portal two, they were actually not going to use portals in it. So they oh, were actually okay. working on an entirely new gameplay mechanic. And this is all in Wikipedia. Right? I'm not going to say that. What's the mechanic? There. Well, it, they didn't, they never fully divulged it because they're hoping to use it in, in the in the future. But uh, okay, I, yep. apparently it revolves around taking photos of objects and then manipulating those and then like replacing them. And then you can like, and there's a whole, it came from this other game that's called, mm. I'm just looking it up now, uh, a game called Exposure. And it's kind oh, of yep. similar to Nabacular Drop, which uh, inspired Portal. Um, sorry, it's a tag the the power plant no paint sorry oh no no sorry i'm getting confused we'll get to the paint stuff in a second there's so many games here that i'm looking at but yeah so that whole different mechanic but then apparently during testing they're like okay people are like well where's the portals and look Mm. i'm well if you're gonna call a portal too well yeah Mm. i'm so glad they did because (laughs) what they did is you know not only took the amazing framework that portal one had done they created a fantastic co-op mechanic around it by giving both players two you know a set of portals but then just they just went just ham on it and they just elaborated so much and it's just it's almost genius design at points oh it's oh, it absolutely is genius design yeah and can i just say because you're just touching on valve swinney for me i feel because i'm i'm definitely a nintendo fanboy on the podcast and shill but i feel like valve is like the Nintendo for PC. Like they're, they're, they're just so ingenious how they come up with new mechanics, new gameplay options, new ways of playing, and then everyone just follows them and copies them. Yeah, and I mentioned before, I was going to say that tag, power paint. So my favourite thing about Portal 2 are those gels that they start throwing in. So the yeah, repulsion, I love that. The repulsion yeah. gel, uh, the propulsion, and that originated in that game, Tag, the power of paint. So they apparently hired those creators to then introduce and then develop it within Portal 2. And it's just, I just love the idea you walk into a room and you see all this, like, this gel flying around and you've got to manipulate it so you can make one, uh, make a surface that you can create portals on, but then you've got to use it to, like, launch yourself. It's just wild. And I haven't played through the single player in a while. And look, I will admit, if I had played through the single-player campaign again leading up to when we did our discussions, it, might, it would have been a much harder decision for me to make to say that Portal 2 didn't <laughs> because I, He's just teasing me. He's just teasing no, but, me now. I'm being, I mean, honest. I'm being honest. Yeah, yeah, but if you played any of the other games, you you, you could probably end up with that same thing yeah, as it's, well, right? It so. was, it's just 2011. There's a reason why we chose 2011. And mm. it's, but yeah. To make it hard. But as I guess in, into God, as a first-time yeah. player of Portal 2, uh, I guess, how did you find it? Yeah, no, like, amazing. So I'd played Portal 1 basically when it came out and always heard good things about Portal 2. Like, you know, the game got Game of the Year by a lot of outlets. Um, and in a very competitive year, mind you, you know, with Dark Souls and Minecraft and a whole host of other games, Batman, like Skyrim. Arkham. Yeah, exactly. Like, it was insane that year. And, and you know, just quickly, I think that year... If you're looking at the sixth, seventh, eighth games, it's definitely going to be the best year of gaming. Now, in terms of like top games, blah, 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 maybe people would, you know, people have their favorite games, so maybe it's not the best year. But from a sixth, seventh, eighth game, the fact that we struggled so much and that this game wasn't in the top six just goes to show how good that year was. Um, 
yeah, for me, I normally try to avoid anything spoilery. So I didn't know anything about, I didn't even know Stephen Merchant was in the game. Hmm. Um, so as soon as I opened up and I'm very familiar, I pretty much watched all of his work, like in terms of like, what was his TV show? Hello Ladies, I think it was called. Well, but um, The Office, you know. The Office, like, yeah. Wow. I'm very, you know, like the um, Ricky Gervais podcast, like I'm very, very familiar with his work and really like his sense of humor and comedy. So it was very delightful to like start the game and bang, he's like one of the main characters in in the uh, the whole game. And just yeah, the voice acting, like I think this is the thing about the game, like I can't even fault anything about the game. Like the acting, the pacing, the puzzles, it just flows. Like I think I beat it in like six and a half hours or something like that. And it was only maybe a couple of campaigns, like a couple of sessions to do that because it's just an addictive game. The way it builds up, the way it teaches you through mostly design rather than tutorials, I still feel like a lot of games get that completely wrong uh, where they just throw tutorials at you and it's boring as hell rather than do almost like going back into starter gaming with like Super Mario Brothers 1 where we're going to throw a Goomba at you so you better learn how to jump and you know here's a hole so you better learn how to run and jump and all these kind of things like Portal 2 definitely takes that ethos and I don't really get too heavy into the lore of you know how Portal is linked to Half-Life and you know all the Aperture stuff but you know I loved the story as it was told in Portal 2 Whereas, like, you know, I definitely don't want to spoil anything. I didn't find it very, like, shocking or anything that happened in it. It was very Same, I remember, pre- predictable. Yeah. It was a bit But cool even though. with that, it was cool. Mm. Like, I kind of could see how things were going to go, but it had a very satisfying conclusion. A lot of games struggle with that. Like, the end game and just how it finished up was very funny to me. Uh, and then, the, yeah, like, the co-op, like, is so awesome. Like, it's it's, you know, obviously more... More like Portal 1 for me. Like, you know, Portal 1 did have a story, but in terms of just, it felt, it feels more like levels. Like, you know, go through this course, go through this course. Portal 2 felt like a game. And we haven't got to, like, the advanced stuff yet. Um, No. And that's where I think it, like, it's it's already good, but it's, I think it starts to shine the more and more layers that they put on it. Um, Because they could have just honestly made, maybe you'd need a bit more, uh, a few more levels and stuff, but they could have just made Portal to the co-op mode and people would have been happy it wouldn't have had the it wouldn't have had the impact but people would have been like oh what a great way to continue portal you know but instead they 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 did it all yeah because we spoke about this offline but and it's obviously not the case but i felt playing the co-op it was like oh was this actually the start of portal 2 like they were building it as a co-op game and then sort of as they went through development they were like you know what we need to bring a single player into this to really expand it out Mm. Because it felt like that was the design of it. You look at the box art, it's very much emphasizing the two machines, even though really the main game you don't play as those machines. Now, so, Can you imagine Portal in VR, right? Whoa. <laughs> just, just wait, just wait a second. You know in Portal <laughs> how you set it up where you've got like an endless loop of you falling through portals? Oh, yeah. No, imagine, no, that that so in, imagine that. Imagine that. Like, literally. <laughs> Man, it, it, and, and Alex just dropping down from one level to another <laughs> makes you feel sick. I'm oh. talking about like a height of, you know, I don't yeah. know, half a meter or something. It's it's nuts. Oh, sorry, but, sorry to interject. One thing I forgot about Half-Life Alex is to mention that Reese. <laughs> Reese Darby was in it because you guys were talking about how there's people yeah, yeah, in it. he's good in that. He's, he's in, in it. it. And, man, the first time I heard it, all I could think about was, all right, Jermaine, 
Yeah, present. Flight of the Concords. All right, Brett, present. <laughs> Choice. Present? All right, present? Alex, present. <laughs> yeah, no, like he's good in that. Um, Mike, you know, did you play this game when it came out? Yeah, I played. Oh, I'm trying to remember if it was when it came out. I played it or just was after. It, was it part of the Orange Box back in the day? No, when no, no. So play? Portal One was part Portal of Portal One Orange was Box. part of the Orange Box. Okay, so I would have played it on a separately to that then. Yeah, well, because we played it, Swinny, back in the day. I, I'm pretty sure we did. Yeah, so I played it co-op with yeah. you. Um, played co-op with another one of our friends. I don't know if I completed all the way with you. Maybe, maybe I did. think I finished it separately. Yeah, but um. But yeah, no, it was, uh, yeah, definitely played it with you. Fantastic. Genius game, like you said. Really genius game. And the other one, the other component that I haven't mentioned so far um, that, you know, I think is actually a big part of it, but I don't hear a lot of people talking about it, is the community-based test chambers. I don't know if you know much about this, Mike, or even Swinney. Uh -uh. Um, Essentially, they created ability to create your own worlds and your own courses. And... I don't know if you have it on PC or not, uh, Mike, but... I have it on PC as well, I think, yeah. Definitely. Like, honestly, just install it and download the number okay. one level. It is mind-blowing Okay. what they do in this level. Like, when I was playing it, I was like, what the F? Like, what is going on here? Like, I won't give too much away, but as opposed to anything in Portal where, you know, it's a complex puzzle, but it's, I think, kind of, like, straightforward in terms of it's always the same universe and what you're looking at and you go through mm. a portal, you come out of another portal. This one is, it has the next dimension, which is as your view changes. So as you start to walk around and you go past like some object that's blocking you and you look around, the whole world is changed. There's, I've, there's a game that I wish I could talk about that kind of does something similar, but it would be a spoiler. It's such a cool, when that stuff happens in games... And it plays with your perception yes. of reality. Like even cool. Valhalla does that as well, but yeah. that's not it's such a small thing. That's because you're drunk. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah. this has this has the extra dimension that yeah, as you, like it literally could be like a square room and it has a post in the middle. As you're walking around the post, because it's blocking part of your view, it's like you're seeing another part of a room, but it's like it's impossible for the dimensions of the room. I know what you mean. It, yeah. always, yeah. it always makes I me can... just wonder like how does that work from a from a coding standpoint, it's <laughs> yeah, wild. They it's, it's nuts. Wild. So they well, have so, that, and then they have portals. Oh so god! It, wow. Like I was playing a bit of it, and I'm like, "This is so cool and such next level." I'm almost like, "This could be Portal Three if they just elaborate on these kind of ideas." Wow! What is that game that? Um, I don't know if it's one of the games you mentioned, Swinny, where it is about you. You get like a, a block, and depending on the perspective, like you use that same element in a different. Uh, size to solve puzzles and stuff. I don't know. Like there was a trailer for it oh, a year ago or something. I'll have to look it up for next time. <laughs> no, um, is but it was Fall Garden. I don't know. I do not remember the name. The name of it for the life of me. I'm not sure. But it, oh, it was it was go, the whole Gorogoa. thing with perception and Gorogoa. No, it wasn't Gorogoa oh, okay. either. Gorogoa kind of does. The, but no, no, it was a 3D one where where um, you you use like an object might look like it's just a tiny little thing. But then you grab it and you kind of move it and it's like it, the scale is completely different in the context of where you're looking at now. It's I'll look it up. I'll look it mm. up for next show. But it's the same. It just reminds me of that a lot. And they looked amazing as a concept. Yeah. So I think like as an experience Portal 2, it's just like if you if you want to play a single player puzzle game, I don't know many others that could compete in this space with it. Like there are, there are puzzle games where... 
you know, it's kind of a loop puzzle game, hmm. you know, where you're just doing the same thing over and over again, but just different puzzles because it's easy to, or, you know, just the nature of the gameplay that it's repeatable. I would very, like, you know, Tetris. I would but, very much recommend to play through Portal 1 first. Before I don't it, think you need to. No, no. The reason being is I think not only is Portal 1 like a pretty short experience, but mm. I think it sets up the narrative for Portal 2 in a really cool way that I think it's just it has more impact. You don't need to, but I think that it's my recommendation because it's not like you're playing a 40-hour game. You're playing Portal 1 is like four or five hours max unless you get yep. really stuck. Um, and I think it would it leads in great into Portal Two. So, no, that's fair enough. I think. Look, if you only have time to play one, play Portal Two. But if you can play two, play Portal One. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is yeah. as trippy as the game itself. Oh my god! <laughs> I, look, honestly, I don't know much more to say than that. Like, I would have ranked it. I think almost minimum number two in in two thousand and eleven. Won't have the opportunity to do that. We are a collective effort. I'm still bitter and twisted about that. Can't believe you guys don't have this in your top six of 2011. Hey, um, I got rid of Witcher 2, so I did my part. True, fair. I got fair. rid of games yeah. 2, yeah. bit different given Witcher 3 is just the superior game. So, But um, yeah, I wonder if they'll ever make Portal 3. Don't feel like they Oh, I think they will 100%, but I don't think it'll be for a long time. When has Valve ever made a three game? Mm, that's I, a good point. I as well. think they will at some point because it's you could go so many cool places, as you said, with it. Um, but I just don't think it'll be for a long time. Yeah, I think the thing is they they, they probably want to make a VR game because they're just so big on VR at the moment. But it can't be a VR game that you traverse the world in. I don't think. <laughs> it's just, it's... So it must be like a VR game where you're looking around the world and you. Uh, it's almost like you're sending sending robots through the portals well, that's and watching thing. where they go. You could do mm. something cool with aperture yeah. science and VR. I don't know. Maybe look, they haven't done any little tech demos with that stuff already. Mm. I haven't seen anything yeah, like yeah. that because I instantly googled Portal VR after playing the the, the Oculus <laughs> Quest too. Not that I wanted to play it in VR because I think it would really make me sick, but. Just the idea of it, I think, because the accuracy of shooting. Like, that was one thing with Alex, like Half-Life Alex, the accuracy of shooting and actually having to orientate the gun so that you can see through the sight. Yeah. It's, like, really, like, mind-bending. So, do, you, yeah. do you find you were closing one eye when yes. you were doing it? Yes, yeah, same. <laughs> Which I don't know if that makes any sense Oh, no, I think it, it probably does in, in real life. I think in real life you are yeah. more accurate when you yeah. just use one eye. But no, Portal 2, love the game. Thought it was fantastic. 10 out of 10 game. feel like I'm saying that about every game. Uh, where would you guys rank it, like roughly, what? on a ten scale? Didn't we already rank it on our list? Of, no, uh... <laughs> but on a ten scale. I mean, you could have ten, ten out of ten oh, games t- and maybe seven. Of them, oh, you know? yeah. Look, it's 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 like a nine point five ten ish kind of game. Yeah, yeah it's a, it's a solid game. Um, if we can do points, maybe eight point five. Oh, really? Yeah, but my scale, yeah. I'm I'm five is the exact he's, average. He's a harsh me, critic. So. No, it's just I use exact average scale. So, yeah. yeah. But you know, you know, like I don't give every game ten. It seems like in this well, podcast, but so I don't. So far, give, you have, yeah. <laughs> I don't give every game ten out of ten. There's very few games that actually would have ten out of ten for me. But and I this just is think, one of them. Wow. Yeah, I just is, think is it game just is... so you can justify all the fighting you did to no, keep it no. in the list? I, like I said, okay. I don't think <laughs> I rarely play a game and think. I don't think there's anything I would change about the game. I just think 
you know, it might not be what I would choose editorially, but mm-hmm. I just think how they've executed the vision, how they play it, the length of the yeah. game. It's fair enough. I, I think this game could have easily been longer and that would have been a mistake. Uh, and it's probably brave that they didn't make it longer. It's uh, like the IT crowd. We spoke about it before yeah. this. Yeah. And just the ingenious puzzles that they have just continuously and then just adding new dimensions to it, new things to bounce off and gels and all this other kind of stuff. You're just like, oh, wow, okay. And it all coming together in the end. It's just awesome. Just such an awesome experience. All right. We've gone long. Let's wrap up the show. Uh, so as always, if you want to reach out to us, uh, reach out to us at bigwigpod or bigwigpod at gmail.com or hit us up through the YouTube comments. Feel free to critique and comment about Swinney's Assassin's Creed tier list. <laughs> uh, there's a holy war going on about whether Odyssey is a good game or not. Uh, and whether uh, you, good you're allowed Assassin's to have Creed or not. game or not. That's the key. Yes, okay, That's fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, and most importantly, give us a five-star review on your podcast service of choice and tell a mate about the podcast. We, we would appreciate it. All right, with that, bye-bye. Ciao. Ciao. Bye-bye.